Hi, this is Declan Shalvey, uh, writer, artist of Moon Knight and Time Before Time, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Fourth, be with you, everybody. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are, and of course, I am the Hodag. <laughs> wow! Wonder what well, that could mean. <laughs> yes, Vince. Vince B. is is not with us. Which, which, uh, all kidding aside, is a rare thing. I think in the fifteen years. By the way, this is this is our fifth. You know, this is the month of this is May. Dap. This is when it all started. Um, <sighs> But uh, in all the years we've been doing this, I think Vince has missed exactly one show per year when his family makes him take a vacation that he doesn't have access to the interwebs, and it drives him nuts. And uh, <laughs> and this is the week. Vince has been on a crime cruise, which we can't wait to hear about. Lost maybe he'll, he'll get Yeah, maybe he'll get bonus content as he reviews the, the crime cruise for you. But, but, uh, but you know, listen, Dap and I are charming mofugs mo- for sure, but we, we didn't want to burden you with just listening to the two of us so we had to call in the big guns to join in this time not in the fourth seat as he often is but in the third seat it's everybody's favorite comic creator mr tony fleece hey gang my seat it smells like vent b my chair. <laughs> it's like a weird mix of like patchouli and blood oh, good lord <laughs> well obviously this is uh the- this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 851. Ooh. Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for tuning in, for listening. Tuning in, because, you know, you got the dial and we're on a radio. Uh, I am going to completely butcher any sort of sponsor spot, so I am just going to implore everyone to check out our sponsor and a very close personal friend, of our guests over cheapgraphicnovels.com. Um, anything we discuss tonight, you should be able to, uh, if it's not collected, if it will be collected shortly, uh, you should be able to, as long as it's been solicited, you can head over to Max's site and, uh, and add it to your wish list. Put it in your, um, maybe even do a pre-order if, if possible. Uh, but, um, but there's a whole deal going on over there. Uh, you've got the, um, you've got whatever you purchase your first time around, You'll uh, follow up with a reply in your email um, and listen to last week's episode the way Vince explained it, and you'll get uh, free shipping on uh, on your second order. But um, I am just really... I, I, I need this tonight. The day was kind of... It's been a hell of a week at, at, at work. I, it, it kind of... It's kind of continuing from when... Uh, 
when 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 I think you were last on Tony, but it's um it's still more of that nonsense. So I just I wanted to I was really looking forward to tonight and and like as Jason said on the bonus content before we started here uh when we were talking about what we were going to do tonight and um and then we found out that uh, the Tony was joining us. I was just I was so happy because it'll make for a fun time. We're going to we, we we got some pretty cool topics lined up. Um Jason opened up the floor to the slackers, so we might even have some of their uh, their input. And uh, and and yeah, I just I I want to know first though, what is everyone drinking? Even though I'm probably the only one who is. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, well, that is that is. I'm drinking, just not not alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have three beverages here. I have some water. Which is the least interesting, I'm sure. I have uh, Schweppes pink grapefruit seltzer, which is probably the second most interesting. And by far the most interesting is a, a delicious, yet to be sipped, but I'm about to hear momentarily uh, of some iced cafe uh, with some 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 dark brew, some 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 deeply strong brew with uh, some oat milk, extra creamy barista style oat milk. And uh, a bit of stevia. What are you? Are you still on Stoke? What are you doing? I use the Stoke. That's right. I keep up. I'm, you know I'm not. Yeah, stoke. yeah. I, I was using the uh, the Starbucks, and then I think almost by accident, there was none around about yeah. six eight months ago, and Stoke was in the was there, and I'm like, I'm gonna grab this, and I like it better. So yeah, I'm a Stoke guy. So they make you a Stoke you a Stoke guy. Uh, I well, depending on what's in in the grocery store, I always just pick whichever one has the least calories because I'm always it's you know it's like eight calories versus five calories. But in my oh, pet, I was going to say it doesn't have it's coffee it doesn't have calories. I mean, it does. It's got a little. Why, I, if you get the sweet, I don't get the sweet kind. I get the unsweetened. The sweet kind. It's always got like it's got like five or eight. <laughs> Dude, five. Okay, well, listen, I'm a nut, but that's 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 beyond nutty. Like five or eight calories. Calories in like, there. It's a, okay, it's a. And then I'll, you know, I'll go off and I'll just eat like a Baconator or something. <laughs> I don't want to waste calories. Uh, so I'll get stoked sometimes. I can't remember what the kind is that I have right now, but it's just whichever one was uh, they had in the store at the time. I have don't not fall tried it yet. Stoke. I, I, still, I saw, it um, when I was in the store this week, I saw that La Colombe, well, so bef- when I was a, uh, there was a period when I was drinking La Colombe's, like it was going out of style. They're highly caloric, so when I went on to the to the fitness maneuvers a couple of years back, I gave them up. But I love La Cologne very much, and um, I saw this week in the store that there are now uh, full sized prepackaged bottles of La Cologne, including unsweetened. So I'm going to probably try that the next time because I, I I always love the uh, the little cans of La Cologne. I just went and checked. That's that's what I'm on right now. The unsweetened La Cologne. Lower, lower so, d- d- there you go. That La Cologne is the jam, dude. Oh, Stoke makes that's Philly uh, style. They're from they're uh, they're Philly style. No, well, I'm I'm representing for you. There you go. I see Stoke uh, makes the pot. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm drinking a uh, sugar-free Rockstar. It's the the one in the white and gold can uh, that that has 25 calories, which seems like way too much. But what are you gonna do? I gotta I gotta keep this train moving. <laughs> Just. Uh... <laughs> I, I I just noticed Stokes got uh, the pods, so maybe I'll um, 
Oh, nice. Check that I've out. Done that. Add it to, you add it to your coffee. I am going to finish off this uh, High West Double Rye, um, which is a blend of straight rye whiskeys from Utah. Uh, once that's done, I'm going to go to town on this um, big-ass tall bottle of water I got next to me. I love it. A polygamy. It makes sense that, that it would be from Utah. If it's, it's, if it's, if it's multiple rise. All <laughs> That's true. Very, very That's true. Um, nice. So, yeah. So sense that be from Utah because they have hardly any liquor there. Must, yeah, must, that's true, too. That, yeah. It is. Really true. Nice. I, I mean, I'll usually um, whiskey river around the corner. They'll uh, sometimes depending on. Uh, They'll they'll usually if, if you ask for the house rye or the house the house whiskey they'll um bourbon they'll uh, usually it's it's often high west um, sometimes Buffalo Trace sometimes Rendezvous but more often than not high west so and and um, our buddy Carlo one of our very first slacker patrons um, gifted me a uh, a bottle of um, high west a few years ago but it's good stuff. Um, so I think we got the heavy stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Do so. So obviously, yes. When we're recording this, no one's going to hear this on May fourth. Um, my plan is everybody should be able to hear it sometime tomorrow. But uh, we um, we we were kind of thinking we 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 could lean. Into some sci-fi, uh, because mm-hmm. it, it is, of course, uh, officially or unofficially, Star Wars Day. Um, we also have uh, we've got, um, which of course, Mandalorian recently wrapped up its its third season. Picard wrapped up its third and final season, so we can even go some down some Star Trek because this week, um, or, or the past couple of issues of IDW's various Star Trek titles have been. Uh, Pretty on and pop, but I know Tony loves to talk about the Star Wars. So I mean, we can start there, or we can talk about what we've been reading. I I, I leave it up to the guest. I, I figure we'll pepper. We have some awesome questions from the patrons, and if people want to know how they could ask questions that we would discuss, you can join the Patreon. Go to uh, Patreon.com/slash Eleven O'clock Comics. There are tiers there, and uh, not tiers like crying out of sorrow, <laughs> but tiers like as in layers and um, many of the tiers will provide you access to our slack channel which is on and popping listen twitter's a shit show reddit's for old heads nobody (laughs) uses facebook anymore kids think it's corny the gram is cool but only for making video content apparently so if you're looking for a place to have active engaged comics and culture conversation that's highly moderated and just good people being real with each other the slack is where it's at so come aboard We'd love to have you. It's it's by far the best online community I've ever been a part of. So uh, so there you go. But uh, yeah, we got some dope questions. And because I love Mabu and he's producing tonight, even though it is May the 4th, and even though we all on the show right now are Star Wars fans, I thought it'd be fun to uh, make it sci-fi and leave the door open for your Star Trek and other things. Because I know that... Uh, in fact, I don't remember what episode I meant to look it up, but we had a Star Trek-centric episode some time ago where we did some top five lists. Maybe it was, maybe it was one of the other May 4ths, but uh, 
But I do know that uh, even though Dap rides hard for the Star Wars, if he had to cut Star Wars's throat to save Star Trek, he wouldn't heartbeat. So, <laughs> um, you know, so so I'm trying to leave it open. I'm I'm a Star Wars guy. There's no secret there. Dap's likes both, but he's a Star Trek guy. Tone, where do you fall in on this? Uh, Star Wars. I have no real issue with Star Trek. It's just right. uh, too much of it. I mean, Star Wars is getting there too, but like uh, Star Wars, more exciting to me, and so I can I can dip in and, t- and take it all in. Star Trek, more of a cerebral, thoughtful. Yeah, you know, I can get that. Yeah, I think type stuff. there's. I think it. I mean, like with anything else, I do think it all depends on. The entry point. What introduced you? How old were you? What else was going on in your world? Um, and I mean, for me, Star Trek, my, my father watched it when it was originally airing. So when it was on syndication, when it was on reruns, um, he and I would watch it together. And um, and I didn't see the first, I didn't see the motion picture in the theater. Um, and I think the first one I may have seen was three, definitely four, because I remember seeing it with my aunt Gail and, and, and her friend at the time. And, um, and, and so there was what I would, what, what I like, what I, what I tend to think is that, um, because Star Wars is, um, Star Wars can be at times, um, you, you, you've got that hope, but you have the hope because, there's it, it it can be a little um bleak uh with the empire with the imperial forces and 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 grinding down the rebellion and anybody who's opposing the empire whereas whereas star trek is is there's a lot more optimism there it's 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 a it's a hopeful future it's it's the kind and i understand the star wars a long time ago in a galaxy far away but uh the, with with the things with with trek um i think it just makes its fans um kind of just like i said optimistic just and and plus i mean the things that a simple tv show um gave us as far as technology which we've talked about in the past with the star attack and and uh and the, the goddamn sliding open doors and and just things like that and it it's um i think as far as nerds and and scientists and and grown ass professionals who um like to dabble in in technology or science i i think some of them if not most may probably can uh can credit star trek for kind of pointing them down that path and and not to say that star wars obviously isn't sci-fi slash fantasy um there are the you have the lasers, you have the computers, you have the robots and the androids, uh, but you also have things that look like old boomboxes and reel-to-reel recorders, and and I I love the fact that Star Wars has like this this mix of old and new tech. You've you've got dirty-looking robots, but they're still freaking robots. It it's I it it's it's a crazy dichotomy. I love the look of Star Wars, and I especially love it now with our shows on. Disney Plus, like Andor, like The Mandalorian. Um, I, I, I like that we're getting... Because before, we, at least... So with Star Trek, we had the TV shows and then eventually the movies, whereas Star Wars was the other way around. Right. And and the shows are fleshing out that 
that galaxy, that, that that universe, those worlds, so much more, and um, and I'm 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 so thankful for it. I'm not at the point yet where I'm like it's too much. I'm just glad it's all there, and when I can get to it, I can get to it. Well, you all right? Let's. So, what you just said is exactly an answer to one of the questions. So let's just jump right into that. We'll have Tony and I chime in. Uh, Bill Dowdy uh, says all of the Star Wars and Star Trek content being made in the past few years. Do much of a good thing or keep it coming? So you just said pretty much that you're you're good with it. Um, I will say that um, uh, I think I understand why some may feel like it's too much. But where I struggle is that, like, no one is forcing anyone to watch it, right? Mm. So, like, um, I, you know, I have found all of the deluge of content in the last bunch of years especially on disney plus you know all the marvel shows all the star wars shows i absolutely would say that i haven't enjoyed each of them to the same degree some i've absolutely adored with fiery passion and others i just thought were okay but like there hasn't been one that i've thought like why did i watch that or like i can't believe they bothered making that and even if i did like then i could just not watch the next one or take a break like there's nothing you know, there's this like strange idea that like we have to watch them because they're being put out, and that's not true at all. So, I kind of like just I totally disavow the idea of they're doing too much of it because it's we have agency. I I can just opt to take a break. I don't need to, you know, like so. Yeah, I I just I think it's it's fine. Like as long as the quality remains high, and what I mean by that is like as long as it doesn't mean that I'm going to personally love every show, but as long as the production values and the and, and that it's a con, you know a continuing universe and they and they play fair with all that like i'm 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 here for it you know and and uh yeah i, I don't so i just don't i just don't even really understand the idea of it being too much now and like that's different than like the do i think it's too much from a if i were in charge of, of disney or or time warner or whatever like yeah yeah or paramount yeah i think that i think we've got too much i think because we're, we're seeing diminishing returns economically speaking but I'm not an executive at those places. They haven't they haven't called me and asked me to hire me away. So <laughs> until they make me a head of the studio and, and and replace you know Filoni and Favreau, like no, then have at it. Like as a fan, no, it's it's fine. But but as a as a like a the finance guy in the room, yeah, it's it's I think absolutely a case to be made. There's too much of it because because it's it, it is the stuff is being watched by fewer people and and is and, and you know with each sub which each subsequent release is having lower viewership regardless of quality. So that tells you that like outside of the hardcore nerds like us, like the average Joe seems to be getting tired of the stuff, at least on, on the, on the margin. I think there's something to be said about that. Like the idea of familiarity breeds contempt or like mm -hmm. scarcity drives up demand, that sort of thing. Like I, I think a studio could like a studio like Disney with, with star Wars and Marvel might be better served going like, this is what you get. And this is, like, here's your Marvel for the year. Like, if Marvel put out one Marvel movie a year and put all the, the you know, the same amount of man hours into it, you know, that they put into, you know, I, I, I would rather they made one great one a year than, like, three medium ones a year, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Star Wars series. Like, if they had just only put out Andor this year and then spent another, you know, few, you know five months or whatever cooking up mandalorian i feel like i i feel like it would have come out better i like i 
I, I don't know if we talked about last time. I think Mandalorian three was cool, but it's not like it's day and night compared to Mandalorian one. Like you watch that first season and it's like they have solo episodes, but it's like connected and everything seems important. And, and you know, at this point, they're just like they were just going on little fun adventures for no good reason. Some of the time, you know, it's yeah, just like, yeah, over here. So, yeah, um, I, I get. I don't disagree with what you're saying there. Like on a personal level, um, I haven't enjoyed each thing. And and, and as Dap knows, because I convince about it a lot. Like I, I have been, like pretty strongly disappointed with the Marvel DC, not uh, DC, the 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 Disney Marvel TV shows the last few years. Like I like just none of them have felt really particularly special to me. I, I you know, uh, again, like, and I think, like you said, Tony, even for us, like, it's, it's, it is part of that. It's just like, I, I'm, I'm unfortunately getting numb to it. Like, if I take a step back and think that 15 years ago, if you told me, okay, you're going to have new, like, real life, amazing looking superhero stories from the characters you've been in love with your whole life to watch to the point of exhaustion, I'd be like, sign me up. Like, this is a dream. Don't tease me. So it, it is just conditioning. Like, you know, I do think absence does make the heart grow fonder. I, in fact, with us talking about how we're going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3 this weekend, um, I think, again, the business hat of me, like, this is a super, super important film for Marvel, um, especially with Bob Iger coming back. I, I fundamentally believe that if this is not a massive global hit, and I suspect it will be, by the way, but if, if it is not, I think that will be the nail in the coffin, not for the MCU, obviously, but for Iger saying, okay, we need to pull back to your point like we we need to make these feel special again because right now it's not worth it like we're not going to make 300 million dollar movies and not turn a profit right like that doesn't make sense so i I do think that that if if for some reason guardians isn't a global smash uh that will will, we'll we'll see a pretty big retrenchment in the the overall volume and ultimately maybe that'll be great for just for the perceived quality of them but but uh, but you know, I, there's a lot of ifs and and, and wins in this conversation. But but I do think that this this movie in particular is like the, this is this is the key litmus test for Marvel. I think. I got pretty high hopes for it. Like I'm I'm pretty excited about. It. I don't like I hear people talking shit about uh, Guardians Volume Two, and I'm just like, you hold that thing up to any of these other movies that came out recently. It's a masterpiece. You know, like it's just like <laughs> the 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 slow like. And I like all these superhero movies. Like, I'll go see them, you know. But, like, there was a time when they were great, you know. Like, that first Guardians and, and like, the like I, all of the Avengers. I hear people talk about Age of Ultron. I'm, it's the same thing. Like, put Age of Ultron up against, you know, uh, the, uh, what's the Kirby one that the, the Angelina Jolie? The Eternals. Had? Yeah, the Eternals. It's just, like, Age of Ultron looks like, you know, Blade 2. <laughs> no you know what you're right it's funny specific on that i i i was i was pretty negative on age Voltron when it came out like i remember leaving the theater being like oh no like there was a marvel we got in the door but what's interesting is i inevitably over the years rewatching them i'm with you i, I think i was too hard on it at the time and maybe it's because i've seen how things can be worse, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, that's actually it was pretty good. Like I was pretty tough on it, actually. I think it, I think it's pretty good. So I do think that one improved with age for me. Yeah, uh, about uh, like all the Avengers. I was just thinking about it earlier this week. I was just like, man, every one of those Avengers movies I could watch. Like just sit me down and be like, I'm putting on any of the Avengers, and I'll just be like, all oh, right, on. I'll, I'll yeah, that's facts. Up. That's facts. 
But don't you think that's part of what's going on now, though, right? Because, again, like, the, the here we are talking about it, but, like, the average person did something that no one ever thought possible. They stuck around for 20-plus films, all where you had to pretty much watch them all to get the full story. People gladly did it. But, like, again, it does feel like that story's been over, right? And, and I mean, we know that there's a plan. We know that the Fantastic Four is coming. We know that the X-Men are coming. We know that there's going to be a new team of Avengers, which we've been getting built very slowly through the film uh, through the tv shows we know we know all that but the average person doesn't know that like they're not connecting those dots so to them it's like oh that that was a super awesome 14 year run it's over now and marvel's just making movies now they're not connected anymore they're not they're not tied in there's no big grand plan and and while we as nerds know that's not true i, I can understand why the average person's just like nah well you know it was awesome but the avengers endgame kind of finished it off and i'm good with that and what what a journey it was so yeah agree uh, but yeah, I was super looking forward to this. I mean, I don't think there's a James Gunn movie I don't like. Like I like all his shit, so I'm mm. I'm I'm there. You're you're not on board with all of it? No, no. Nah. Nah. Are are you uh, are you affected at all by this uh, WGA strike? Are you doing like I forget? Are you involved in anything that's that's now no, on the kibosh? No, I don't have any. Uh, you're not doing any TV right now. Going TV or movie stuff right now. I was writing on the Michael Tony show, uh, but that's Animation Guild, not WGA. Uh, but I'm not currently working on it. So there's no solidarity, like so people are they're going to still make cartoons? Of course there's solidarity, but that like they don't they wouldn't go on strike until they're until they were up to negotiate. Like uh, okay, makes sense for them to to strike without having demands. because you know? because I know that um I did exchange some messages with Tom King this week, and he is uh understandably pretty bummed because it's no secret he's part of the uh core writing team for james yeah for mentioned james gunn's uh you know rebuilding of the the next phase of the dcu uh thomas is part of that that writing cohort of like five or six people so big time but he's super bummed as you might imagine because uh literally just you know things are, are shut shut closed and and they're kind of in the middle of all of it. They're you know there's nothing close to being finished yet. So um, you know, and uh, I, I I I I I realize he he's just one person's opinion. But I said, hey, you know, do you, I get the my personal opinion on this is that the strike's been going for a long time. Um, uh, and he and he just agreed. He said, yeah. I'm, he's like, I'm I'm mentally prepared for six months or longer. So you know, yeah, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. For sure. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not super affected beyond, uh, you know, more of my friends have time to hang out when they're not marching. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it's true. L.A. It's probably probably more more dinner dates and whatnot. Yeah. yeah I've got, I, my my movie guests, my movie companions have opened up now. They're not, they're not slammed like that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dap. Leia, Padme, Ray. FMK. Get out Anthony G. Anthony G. asked it. We got to Anthony's always been a, a great friend and supporter. We got to answer it. Uh, Padme is is K. Okay. Um. Oh, uh, man. I think I feel like I know Leia would be freaky, but I feel like that's the one you got to marry. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So yeah. So F Ray. F-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm on a, I'm on the other side of this. I'm 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 marrying Padme for sure. Okay. 
Because she's she's got mad loot. <laughs> like you're just set for life. I mean, you can do anything you want in the galaxy with her at your side. Um, Does she? I'm, I'm, in this, what? are we presupposing that she survives? Oh yeah, of course. This is this is you know. There's no right. Yeah, of course. So this is an alternate universe. Yeah. At this point. So I'm I'm marrying Padme. I mean, it's a, it'll be a loveless marriage, but I'll find I'll for find sure other things to keep me busy. Um, you know, I'm 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 taking a roll in the hay with Ray because she's mm-hmm. in her prime and vivacious and cute, uh, and I'm I'm killing Leia. I think she's 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 too much. It's too much there. It's too, too it's too much. I, it's just it's, it's a lot to handle. It's a lot to handle. <laughs> she's she's intense. So. I'm respectfully not participating in this, but I know my answer. Oh, wait, what? Wow. Are you not kidding me? Not. Yeah. Uh, you know me. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay, Vince. All right. <laughs> okay. The opposite of Vince right now. Vince would have been hardcore. He would have been drawing diagrams. No, he hates his game. That's why the- we're doing it tonight. That's why Anthony asked the question because he, 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 for some reason, I mean, Vince will give you twenty minutes of graphically horrifying hentai, detail about the yeah. most most assaulting uh, hentai ever, but but uh, some for something for some reason he doesn't like FMK. Anywho, um, I really uh, am sitting. Yeah, there you go. So Sorry. you said you went to four movies this week. Oh yeah, uh, well yeah, this will be five tonight, uh, and I, and I, I think before the show started, I said. I'm, I'm on crazy deadlines. I'm drawing as we as we're talking. I'm working on Local Man Five. Um, I'm sure it's gonna look great. If anyone says like, "Yes, yeah, this book looks a little rushed this time," <laughs> why does everybody look like Jason Wood in the background? Maybe it looks good, and just the podcasting isn't as good. One one, one way or the other. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a triple feature at the New Beverly on Tuesday. Um, the Patty Chayefsky movie, The Hospital. And this uh, western called Ozano's Raid, and then this 1979 movie called Steel with Lee Majors that was about building Ooh. skyscrapers, which was terrifying. Like I went to it because I wanted to see the hospital on screen. Like I figured there probably wouldn't be another chance for that. And then uh, Steel, you can't even see on like DVD or anything. So I was like, well, I got to go see that because uh, like the one of the most affecting movies I saw last year was this movie Fall. It was like a horror movie where these two girls climb up a like a, a cell phone tower and get stuck up there. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I saw the poster for that. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is in it as like the one famous guy. Um, <laughs> but as, as I get older, I'm, I'm more and more scared of heights. And so like Fall was maybe the scariest horror movie I'd seen since like The Exorcist. Like it was just, it wasn't, it's not even a great movie. It's just like they did the 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 high the high wire effects or like the super high up in the air effects. Great, and it just made it like I was curled up in a ball, like watching through my hands. Um, and I was like, well, let me see, go see like the real life version of that uh, from the '70s. And it was uh, a much goofier movie, but just as uh, just as terrifying. I really get scared watching heights. Like even in like a superhero movie. Like I remember that like outside the building fight in Shang Chi. Uh, I was terrified. Like I'm, I'm like I know they shot this on like a volume or something, but I don't know. They, they, I really get invested in these movies, and they, I get scared of fights, <laughs> knowing that I'm sitting at a chair in a movie. But I saw those: Ozana's Raid, Steel, and the Hospital, which the Hospital fucking ruled. 
on the big screen. Uh, and then last night we went and saw um, Sisu, uh, which is that one about the the he's like a Finnish guy that just goes apeshit and kills Nazis. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that shit was incredible. Uh, a real treat. We were talking afterwards. It was me and Movie Club, and we were talking about how Nazis are really the best f- for killing. You know, like, it just feels great. You you have a bloodlust as a person, right? And so, like, that's why you go and watch horror movies or, like, revenge movies yep. or whatever. Yep. You want to see some people get fucked up. But there is a guilt that comes with, you know, and it's like innocent people. You're just like, oh, it feels bad, you know, a little bit, at least for me. Uh, but Nazis, whew, <laughs> just... They can get dismembered and just ripped apart and blown up, and every you're just happy and smiling. It's, they really were monsters, you know. That, that like you know, a hundred years later, we're still just like, man, I would love to just watch them get dismembered some more. Fuck those fucking guys. Uh, so that Sisu, a real great watch, recommended. And then tonight I'm going to Guardians. Nice. Yeah. Should we talk some comics? Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's speak on it. Well, uh, you want me to go first? You're our I, guest. I just read uh, Ambassadors 2 and 3 before we got started. Uh, it's crazy. Nice. Every time I come on here, we're talking Mark Millar anymore. Um, yeah, Dude, he, and, he has been on a heater, though. He puts out so many books. Yeah. Like, yeah. I haven't even read... I haven't even read... Um, I haven't read... I'm not reading the new, the new volume Nemesis. of Nemesis. Right, yeah. And I'm not reading Monarch yet. And I feel like I'm reading Millar every week. Yeah, I have not read Nightclub, and I, I haven't been keeping up on Magic Order. Yeah, I mean, Magic Order's finishing up Volume 4, dude. Yeah. Uh, but this Ambassadors uh, was a too good a proposition for me to pass up. I just love the idea of, like, somebody getting a bunch of different artists to draw, you know, different issues and having a good reason for it, you know? Like, every and issue... Not is, just, but, yeah, and not just any artist. I mean banger artists many of which uh, i just don't ever do interiors anymore and 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 aptly you, you're bringing this up in the week after we get issue number three which is probably the issue and again no disrespect to the other five artists that are involved we talked about them a few weeks ago they're all great but like i think a lot of us probably were most eager for issue mm-hmm. three because it's travis Turay and we have i can't tell you the last time travis Turay drew a comic that i read like one two you three know. years ago they said how much Jesus what christ <laughs> 23 years since he's done a full issue. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. So this is the first episode where we can talk about our brand new full interior Travis book. What do we think? Well, it's a bummer. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, what what did you think? I, so the the Frank Whiteley was the first issue and that shit was, was great. A quietly. Yeah, that was magical. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Killing it, doing great. And then the second issue, Carl Kerschel, uh did the issue that was about India, the the Indian superhero. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of like sort of had fun teenage superhero, like, you know, invincible Spider-Man vibes. I was sure that, that uh, Jason would have enjoyed it because it, it not only is it a putting a team together book, but it also had whales. It there did. Was, it did, yeah. I read two comics in the last week that had whales in it. Well, no, I guess two two, two weeks because this. But yeah, it, and uh, I'm a very happy camper, and it really made me think about my higher artist because I'm like, God, if I wasn't a higher artist, I'd be trying to buy these pages. But go ahead, <laughs> high artist. I think uh, Kershaw's uh, digital though, so I'd be safe on that one. I think. And then issue three, uh, 
the Travis Charest one uh, is about Paris and France, this uh, mother-son team. Yeah, but getting heroin, yeah. And, uh, man, first of all, I mean, Travis Charest is a, is a great artist, better than I will ever be, and he hasn't drawn a comic in 23 years. And, listen, Dave Stewart obviously has, uh, has put in the work, but why on earth? Like, were they just thinking, like, well, he's such a detailed artist, you don't want to render anything, you know? You want to just have it be... If that's the case, just print the line art. Th- these colors were a bummer for me. It felt, it felt like, you know... J- just like if you get a one Travis Charest comic every 23 years, maybe put out all the stops, you it know? Sh- it should be flawless. Yeah. And so, like, I, d- I just felt like that was sort of, like, uh, malpractice. You know, just like, malpractice. Wow. I feel like, wow, that, that's strong. Like, he won't FMK, won't but he'll say fucking. Yeah, you won't say he'll bang a fictional story character, but, <laughs> but yeah. He'll throw malpractice he'll around the greatest, comic. The greatest colorist in comics history. Now, now, now. Guilty of malpractice. Shit. comics history. He has, a, he's, has great palettes, and he has a great sense, but just like, you know, sometimes I feel like it's just not a match, and to be, this is not a match. And maybe it's just because I'm used to seeing Travis, you know, with Wildstorm colors. Mm-hmm. And so I'm used to some rendering, but I just feel like that was sort of warranted. I just, <sighs> I, I, it just feels like Stuart was on autopilot and not, and not attacking it with the ferocity of just like, this is the only Travis Charest comic for, <laughs> for the, for some people will die and this will be the last Travis Charest comic they'll ever see, you know? And so I, I feel like that. Like there's a responsibility there, and I don't feel like. Man, I'm so glad we had you on because this is the hottest take you've ever had on the show, and all the times you've been on. (laughs) Really? This is no, this is hot. This is incendiary. I mean, (laughs) the colors on the Carl Kershaw one are better. Uh, And he like half colored it himself. He had a color assistant, Michelle. Oh fuck! I fucked that all up. Man, I'm sorry, Michelle. Uh, but yeah, like the Carl Kershaw one is bright and poppy and maybe it's because like that's supposed to be like a teenager type story and, and like a little lighter anyway. But right. this story is like a mom and da- mom and son superhero team. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a Batman and Superman story base. I mean, Batman and Robin story, basically. I mean. And and even if it is supposed to look Parisian or like Euro comics or something like they're not even doing that. You know, like bring somebody that's going to like paint render or something like give me something. I don't know. Like, I was so hyped. So, so excited. Because, you know, it's been 23 years. It's been, and, and like, uh, and and looking at the Travis stuff, like, you see sort of what the, what digital has meant for his work. And, I'm, I mean, it's not my favorite Travis of all time, but he's still a master. And, mm-hmm. like, he still has his tricks and he's doing cool stuff. But it's just like, I... I, I guess I couldn't have been. It would have been hard for for something to come out of this and have me just be like, "There it is, exactly what I hoped for." I was going to say, this sounds like you you whether you intended to or not had just un, unreachable expectations for this. For sure, but but uh, but the I will not forgive the colors. I'll never forget this, Dave. <laughs> wow, I love it. <laughs> I guess Dave Johnson will be so. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, so some of Dave Stewart uh, <laughs> colors on local man. <laughs> oh, no, I'll take my guys for sure. 
Don't worry about nice. it. Nice. Respect. He's the most awarded colorist of all time. Not the greatest, I don't think. You know, he's just, you know. Listen, I'm not going to say he's the greatest, like, definitively, because it's an argument I don't have the energy to make. But when you're, when you, when they rename the award for you, mm. you got a pretty good case. It is it, the, the the Eisners don't re- reward best colorists; they reward the Dave Stewart Colorist Award. So, like you know, I mean, it is what it is. But I hear you. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like in some cases it's just like people don't pay attention to colors and they just go like, "Oh, Dave wins. I'll vote for Dave." Sure. Well, that's why they're basically retired. I mean, he's not really. He's really yeah, it's like you know, the people that are voting for like the Fantagraphics books, they don't know about like Marty Gracia or whatever. But they yeah. do know Stewart. It's like offensive lines in football. Once you make, once you get good enough that people recognize you, you 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 stay at or near the top spot until you retire. Like, yeah. and again, no disrespect. I don't want this to come. Out. Like, Jordy's at that point now, right? Like, Jordy gets like she's going to be nominated every year that she's doing the comics now because she may not win every year, but she'll be nominated just because like, you know, she had a run where people are like she's she's the new person, and and now because and also because colors are so prolific. She's she's you know she's secured a spot as the, at the top forever now. I mean until she's done, I think. Just uh, I saw Phil Hester last uh, two weeks ago, and he said that she's his favorite that like that he's ever had. He's wow. just like I wish I could everything always. There you go. Well, Dap, uh, what what did you what did you think of the issue? <laughs> I'm I am I, honestly I am in a similar boat with Tony. Um, Whoa. No, oh it's God. it's we, we are about to be canceled. Like, I, like no, comics, and like, <laughs> I don't. Think Rich Johnson's going to be like, Eleventh Comics loses their minds and shits on Travis shit, right? And that's the. I mean, it's it's <laughs> no shit on Travis. Oh, okay. there's no, but Dave, Dave Stewart though. Dave Stewart, yeah. Um, because because Dave Stewart, I'm sorry, not Dave Johnson. Yeah. Even as I like, so when when um when she shows. She shows her son the garage, and 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 we're getting the the back image of the vehicle. I just there are as the colors are just not not rocking my world. And I understand, you know, most of this issue takes place at night, so it's going to be a little on the uh, dark and gray side. But I let me interrupt for a second. Sure. Remember when we saw this two page spread before? Like they tweeted this out, or like it it was a preview that they put out in black and white. Just as sort of like a Travis is coming back shot, you know, and it was stunning. You know, you're just like, holy shit, look at he, look at all those lines, you know. This there's this two page spread that to be fair, I bet Mark Millar wanted it to be like the the Jim Lee Batcave shot, you know. Uh-huh. And it's it's not that. You got you got a little too far up his own ass with this thing. Yeah. Oh, the one with all a, the scaffolding where they're going down the elevator? Yeah, it is a drawing of scaffolding mostly. You like you don't it get is, shit. It is. It is, yeah. Like Yeah. Um, Some accidentally put the vehicles behind scaffolding. <laughs> like John Byrne would literally just have have it would be just a white three lines with, with, with an elevator and a car in the background, <laughs> all the yeah. way in the background. We'd uh, be like, "Oh, that comic was hot." That's, John Byrne's still rocking it. Uh, when I there are and, and this is this is not a tangent. We're gonna go down tonight, and and we've all have we all have those we if if. If I were to name an artist, you have an image that you instantly think of. I'm sure if I if I said John Bushima for Jason, he I think he might lean towards Avengers, but I'm sure there's a Conan image he probably can imagine. And, and no, everybody would be Avengers. Okay, no, no, good, my man. Of course, yeah. So I mean, we all we we can name an artist, an image instantly 
hits our head and that's that that's that's the that's that version of the artist that 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 lives in our heads and um when i think of travis i think of that uh that that image that that full pose image of spartan or um or or just i mean even the the covers to uh um x-men wildcats i there are or or for me even going back to fucking dark stars with with, with the trinity crossover with with but i mean that that's young travis where um he wasn't as fleshed out as he was 23 years ago and um this i so i was i was and that's on me i was i was picturing the line work the images that travis used to draw whether they were just covers or the occasional backup story anything that would give us a couple of pages um i am not i am not going to say that maybe this is over rendered in some places but it would if if somebody handed this to me i might say that the artist who drew it travis was an influence but i don't know if i would have actually told you that i think travis drew this book if somebody handed this to me and i didn't know it was travis i would be like i love this person who's this new artist that would right. follow their work yeah. So I do like I like the look of it. I love the character designs. I love I, I love the action. Um, I I you know I I feel for this woman because she wants to do right by her son, but um, but yeah, like like, like you just said, Tony, it, it's it looks great, but it's not what I imagine a Travis Strong book to look like, and and that's on me. That that's fine. It, like it's been it's been over two decades since we've seen him draw more than 10 pages in a row. So it's, it's, if this is his style now, if this is what we're going to get every few years when somebody decides, Hey, I have an issue of something I'd like you to draw. Um, then, then so be it. And, and if in another handful of years, we get something that, you know, changes gradually from this. Okay. But, you know, and, and not to say the Travis books that I've read and have, they're not going away. So I can go back and be like, oh, okay. Remember when, but, um, I, as far as continuing the ambassador story, um, of the three, this is probably the, I'm not going to say the weakest. It's, it's my least favorite of the three so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so because of the story. Yeah, but exactly. Like, why have this kid be like a near school shooter? You know, right? Like, and you're going to reward him with well, powers yeah. now, even though it was all so, imaginary so, and make believe. Go ahead. Right. I mean, putting putting aside the the uh, the expectations we had for Travis to come back and draw a comic, um, now you're getting to me. Like, the thing I found most interesting about this is, um, it's a six issue series, and we're now three issues in. And I understand that the premise is that we're going to basically have each issue centered around one of the heroes, which is why we have six different artists, six issues. Like, I get that. So I'm not, like, particularly surprised in that regard. But but to your point, I am sitting here thinking, well, like, are we – are the a lot of these things just going to be unresolved? Like, are we – like, like, are we – does this all roll into one grand narrative? And And I have a lot of faith in Miller – like we said, he's been prolific. I generally have been 
wildly entertained by yeah. the bulk of the stuff I've read of his in the last decade. Like I, I, I just again, he's usually not too deep. He gets in, he gets out. It's usually pretty fun. This has a lot of nuance. Each of the characters, they're laying groundwork for a character, each of these characters. But inherently, we've got three more issues. So if it's going to come to a head and there aren't going to be subsequent volumes, I don't think there's plans for that. It does leave me wondering after this issue, like, hmm, like what, what is the – because I, I guess we can conclude that the premise is, I mean, that her ex-husband is trying desperately to get access to this technology. But we still – we only have three more issues. So is 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 that going to happen next issue and then we're going to, you know, have his his soups battle her soups? I mean I, I don't I don't quite know how it concludes and that's OK. I mean like ultimately I don't have to know. Like that's kind of fun to not know where it's going. But I joked I think after the first issue that with the Willy Wonka references that this is going to be like – Ever, everlasting gobstopper. I think I was right. Like, I think that's the whole point of this. Like, I mean, he himself, I mean, listen, Miller is surface level, right? Like, he doesn't go too deep. He he himself, the character, she, you know, she calls herself Willy Wonka. It's not like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking new ground here. I mean, he puts it in the book itself. But I mean, I think that's what this story is really about, right? I mean, six, six people given a golden ticket, and uh, they're each being approached to sell the secrets. And I'm suspecting it's just like, um, like the gobstopper, like he's gonna, the, it's actually all a test and whoever agrees to, uh, to sell the secrets is actually, it's, it's going to backfire on them. I mean, I, I suspect that's where we're going. Like, I think this is his, he was doing peyote one night and, and, and watching <laughs> Willy Wonka and like, I'm gonna make Willy Wonka into a superhero story. And that's what we're getting. And I'm here for that. Like, I think that could be cool, but I am curious, not nervous, but curious how we, how we conclude this. Now that we're halfway through, because right. I feel like we're still very much in the building of the characters phase and not the here's what the story's all about phase. Well, who's coming up? So it's uh, Oliver Coypel is next issue. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, there are Imonen one. Uh, well, um, I read it last week. Uh, I know I know uh, Mateo is the final issue. Um, and then so. the, the person that, I think the person that does bike club or nightclub. Uh, yeah, one is is doing one of them. So but he's I, fifth. So he's fifth. Yeah. So okay. Looking at those, I'm like, who does he get to do the 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 tie everything together? Like the less exciting one, you know? Because he's sort of casting, and he's like, well, all right, well, so I'll get Carl Kershaw to do this fun youthful one, and I'll get Travis Charest to do this Paris one. It's got all this Paris stuff, you know. Kick it off quietly. But I feel like if he does wrap it up, I bet we're going to see it. I mean, obviously, we'd see it in five because that's just how structure works, right? Like, the, they're leading up to a big thing. You had to bring everything together in five. So maybe, you know, he's got this guy, one on Ramirez, that he's already working with. He's sort of the odd man out as far as, like, who's legendary. Um, so I wonder if that's where, where he does – where he ties um, it. It's, it's not it's, – uh, it's, it's, it's not Ramirez. It's, uh, it's Bufani. Okay. It's uh yeah so it's it's Scalera, Bufani and uh, and Quapel are the uh, three remaining. Because that guy Bufani's doing one of his other books. Uh maybe may, I, if he is is he doing is he one doing is he doing the Monarch book? I don't because I'm not reading that. I don't know either. Maybe I'm just talking out my ass. <laughs> well, I don't, no, I don't I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Let me see if I can figure that out. I'm here for. Oh, Bufani did King of Spies, Dad. 
No, that was oh, oh, he just, no. Oh, he's doing King of Spies 2. He's doing oh, King okay. Of Spies 2. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay. Cool. So you see what I'm saying? Like like a cleanup guy. Like what these these guys who who the marquee players, he gives them sort of like a a big issue to draw. And then whoever you know, Scalera's doing the last one, so that's a big issue. I feel like the the fifth one they're gonna there's when if they're gonna pull things together, that's where it's gonna happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoy like, like again, all this being said, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I'm enjoying the the ride, and I do like to. I, I love not knowing exactly how, where it's going. Um, but I also agree with you guys. I think this has been three issues in, slightly diminishing returns. Like the first issue, in part because it was vintage quietly, but also I just thought the setup was just killer, right? I mean, you, yeah. you just you get you get hurt. You know, making her power play. You got the the U.S. government just talking about like what a travesty it is that she wouldn't dare sell it to the highest bidder, and like, you know, you've got her offing herself because she created a new. Like all of it was just like super high level sci-fi, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, each of these next issues has been a little more conventional. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if it picks back up. If the if if the velocity picks back up as it as it finishes up. I'm interested to see if, because I do think it's, uh, unless, you know, like Mark Miller's a guy that has teenage kids. You have teenage kids. I do. If, if you found your kid making out lists of how he's going to kill his classmates, like that seems like more than just sort of like a little bit of flavor, a little bit but of that's, But that's, but then you get, you get to the last page. And right. he, so, so he, he lied to her because it, it's. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he. We know he had these thoughts, and and so it's whether or not you know. So even if, even if this old woman who keeps going around because she's she's working for the ex husband and and she wants the four one one on on the powers and what she's up and and what the wife is up to. Um, say again. Slugworth, right? Yes, yeah, Slugworth. Yes, exactly. Slugworth, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if mom's isn't going to. Uh, drop the dime she could probably go to the sun because homeboy seems yeah. like you know he'd be willing to do something dirty for money but it, it's so i mean there were there were some little things that made the that continued the story that that made me you know say okay i i'm still miller still has me interested i want to see where we're going with this i want to see how all the pieces fall into place um and that's fine, you know. If I'm supposed to dislike this kid, which I'm pretty sure I am, it, it's it's working. But um, but yeah, I think I, I I think when you just when when you start off strong with Frank, when you when 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 you give us a pretty a fun issue, I mean, shooting spree at the beginning aside with 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 the second issue with with, with Kershaw, and now, and and you hear Travis is coming back and he's drawing an issue of of Mark Miller's book. Yes, obviously, I'm going to have expectations beyond belief but um but between between the difference in travis's art style and um and and the story with these characters i i i was kind of let down that said though it's still it's still part of an ongoing be it a limited series but still part of an ongoing story that 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 i'm sure um I, i i trust miller to stick the landing so i'm i'm mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you know this is this may have been this may have been a hiccup and it's just it's really just you know i don't 
I haven't looked to see what other people have said about this series or specifically this issue. Um, maybe we're in the minority. Maybe Tony and I are outliers. I don't know, but we'll, you know, I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the fourth issue because it's Quapel and, and, uh, and to see, you know, the, the country, the, 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 whatever gets involved in, in why this person gets their powers. I just, so, you know, I'm still on board. If this was the first issue, I don't know if I'd be back for the second, but you're, you're kind of safe by putting it in the middle. And, and, you know, I can't, it's, it's, I've already, I've already spent two issues before this getting caught up in, in this story. Um, you, you, you kind of, you kind of got me, you got me on the hook. So I, I want to see where we're going. This isn't, it may have been a slight speed bump, but it didn't make me say I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. No. Yeah. Also, well, listening to this, please, uh, Continue drawing. Comments. Yes. Oh no, I love you, Travis. You're you're, you're beyond <laughs> absolutely. I I'm so glad you're still around. I'm so glad you 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 drew this book, um, and I, I am. I believe we call that too little, too late, gentlemen. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Early internet days, I was on the Bendis board, and we had like this weekly comic. Like somebody would pick out a comic. And then everybody would review it and stuff. And it was my turn to pick, and I picked out uh, Wildsiders by J. Scott Campbell came out. Mm. I fucking love J. Scott Campbell. I was so excited. And the Bendis board fucking savaged it. Like, they were just like, this is trash, garbage. What is this bullshit? (laughs) I was just like, look how cool it is. They're fucking, you know, hologram animals, and that guy looks like Jack Black, and this is fun. And then... uh, J. Scott Campbell himself popped up and he was like, geez, guys, we're just trying to have fun, you know? We're just, you know, <laughs> he showed up to defend himself and then he never did another comic. Uh, so <laughs> you killed it. Yeah, dude. Uh, I think I he's doing all right, though. Yeah. Again. yeah. I, hopefully that's not like some sort of superpower I have over Wildstorm creators. Uh, Travis, if you are here, we love you. We support you. Don't ever work with fucking Dave Stewart again. Wow. <laughs> that's the I'm drawing the line. I was joking the other day that, that Scotty's like, like Chase Scott Campbell now, like I, I like he's he's doing so well not making comics. I don't like drawing comics. He, I wonder if he's right. ever going to draw comics again. When you like when you write and draw, the like drawing takes so much time. <laughs> right, right. I watch other people and I'm just like, how do they fucking do all these books? And I'm like, oh, they don't draw. That's the secret. Because uh, I'm unless you're I, Jeff Lemire and you can show run a TV show, draw your own graphic novel and write eight other books. Yeah, that guy's a monster. Something's, He's something's, ridiculous, dude. It doesn't even true. make sense. It doesn't yeah, make sense. I've talked to Scotty about it too, and he just you know like he's. You know, he's raising kids. He's managing to still put stuff together. And he still draws covers constantly. But like, yeah, yeah. no, well, that, that's what I'm saying. He's like, Chase, he he really is like Chase Scott Campbell now. Like he 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 can draw covers, you know, largely like like Chase variant covers now for yeah. crazy money and then sell the art for crazier money yeah. and then sell prints of those same covers for crazy money and go to cons and make crazy money like. I get it. Like I get it. Like I'm, I'm, I, I beseech him all the time to draw another book because I love his art. But like I get it. I mean, I, I understand. I'm very happy though that he's found people that are like a, a good stand-in. You know, like like Brett Bean. Yeah, yeah. yeah Brett, like uh, uh, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. 
all these guys where it's just like they have a, a similar energy and it's it's you know you're drawn to people who are sort of like you sure yeah, yeah no doubt um well go ahead like plan the last couple issues have been like some of scotty's best books ever I, they, they did that one that was just like had a soundtrack could you read that mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy like you just play a song and then it's silent for like the first 15 pages or something and the song takes you through it was great crazy for sure Good. for sure uh, adapting the questions, even though most of the questions are uh, on the sci-fi tip. Uh, Jeff Carter asks a very pertinent question. He says, it's rare that Vince isn't on the show, but has there ever been a time when Dap wasn't on an episode? I seriously doubt it. The D in Dap stands for dependable. Oh, First of all, I take that as personal affront, Jeff. I, I get it. I, I see this. I see that. I see that you're basically saying Wood never shows up. The other two hold show down. I don't think that's what he's true. saying. Listen, I think. I think. Listen. I think he's saying Wood takes the most vacations where Listen, phone lines are not saying, available. When you know, when these guys, you know, recruited me to be on the show, I had you know, I wanted, I wanted peanut M and M's without the no without green. the the blue. No, the blue. Oh, I, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, a certain, certain caliber of, of, of wine that has to have a certain wine enthusiast rating, in, in, you know, temperature controlled. And I told them I was going to be out for a few weeks a year. That's just, is what it is, you know. I mean, you got to. You're the talent. talent. You're the talent. Yeah. Yes. But getting back to the question at hand, I, I feel like there's, there's probably been an episode or two where you haven't been on. But like to his point, I. Don't know if that's actually true. Have you ever missed an episode? The only time I have, I've, I've missed an episode when we lived in the old house when, of course, the fucking power went out. Oh right, right. So I, I never missed an episode where, because I've, I've been on episodes when we've been away on vacation down south at my dad's in North Carolina, and and so we're off and we're down south and. We're on vacation, and that Wednesday night, I went into my father's den and powered up the laptop, and we still did an episode. Um, I missed the episode when we had Donnie and Ryan on to talk about the new Venom book because we got hit with a nor'easter. And that's right. Um, yep. So anytime, and and there was one episode where we were driving down actually to North Carolina to help my grandmother move from one assisted living place to another. And I listened. And so we were driving down when you guys were recording and I got to actually listen to it. I was listening to the episode on the drive. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the only time I, if I, I try to, if, if, if I am taking time off from work or, or, or for going away somewhere, generally I'm still going to try to find a way to, um, to still be a part of the episode. The only time I know that I have missed an episode uh, was due to the force of nature. It wasn't because I'm taking time off or you guys get to do it without me. It was uh, it. It was extenuating circumstances beyond my control. That is fucking bananas. Golf clap to you. That's crazy. Like Aww. I think people need to understand what that means. We have done 850 of these. We have. No, I don't have the exact timestamp, but but just rounding, we have done at least three thousand hours of content. It's it's probably close to like thirty five hundred hours, but like at a minimum, if you and that's not including like all the bonus stuff. But yeah, we've done it like between three three thousand and thirty 
800 hours of content and you have missed like 10 hours of it. Like that is <laughs> insane. Number one, I love you for it. Number two, dude, take a fucking vacation, please. <laughs> like you and Renee, book some plane tickets and treat yourselves for God's sakes. Renee's all big time now. That's true. The money's rolling in like <laughs> and magic could dispel. Take a God's damn trip we will. please anyway but now that's pretty awesome dude that's pretty awesome i think you and vince have collectively missed one tenth of the time <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean i miss at least two episodes a year it's probably sometimes like three or four so like add that up over 15 years that's like let's say like 50 episodes so i've missed like 150 to 200 hours of the show and I wasn't on the first two episodes, if we're being honest, uh, as you recall, because um, you were joking if it was ever going to show up. Uh, <laughs> but like, but like, you and Vince have probably combined for like thirty hours of missed show. That's crazy. We are really codependent. Aren't we? It's, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's okay. Well, lighten. Uh, but then at least, you... but but mm-hmm. but I think at least it's offset by those special episodes, like pre-con weekend episodes, where we're all together. At oh, your yeah. place, and I mean, it, it's oh, so sure, it's sure. so. I mean, we try to. I look at it that way, where it's like, yeah, if if at least if, if obviously throughout the year, there's going to be a couple of episodes where all three of us are not going to be there. But when we are, when when we can do something special, like the con episodes, or like meeting each other at Frazetta Museum, or you guys came here when the pandemic hit, I, I think that that at least those are the times where I think whatever sacrifices I may give up personally for the show, I, I, that's when I feel like it, it yeah. makes it all worthwhile. No, I respect that. So our boy Hassan, uh wants to know who is a cooler captain solo or Kirk. <laughs> now I think that's an interesting question. Cause at first I'm like, well, wait a minute. Um, like I don't think of Han Solo as a captain, like, which is to say that like he is, yes, he is the captain of the Millennium Falcon, but like, it's like a, you know, he's it's not a rank. He's a crew. It's that rank, he's a yeah. Crew. Like he's a crew of, you know, like they're like a crew of adventurers. And I understand that, like I guess in canon, he becomes a leader of, yeah. uh, you know, a, a leader of the rebellion. Like so, I, I guess it's a. But but for me, like when I first heard the question, I thought, well, it's got to be Kirk because I don't really think of Solo as a captain. Like if you're asking me if the heart of the question is who do I think is cooler, well, and we're probably at odds here. I'm going with with Solo. Um, you know that, that. I mean, that's where I sit. But that again, that's just because like my love for Star Trek doesn't really sit in the Kirk part of the Star right, Trek universe. Right, right. I, you know, I mean, my dad loved Star Trek, the OG, which is why I'm sure many people my age I was familiar with it, and I saw a lot of the reruns with him, and it was cool. Like I wasn't like anti it, but it didn't. You know, it was definitely old school for me. But then TNG came along. And that was my shit. I mean, I, I adored that as much as anything. So, sure. so, like, so if he had I, said solo or Picard, I go with Picard. Yeah, oh, okay. Picard's cooler than Solo, but, but but I mean, you know, Solo's a, like he's an old, he's an all time pop culture character for someone that's born in the early seventies, like I was. So, uh, so for me, it's Solo. I'm curious what you have to say though, because you're, you know, again, you you lean toward Trek, but you love Star Wars too. Uh, it, with this particular question. Um, as I Kirk is not my favorite Trek captain, right? Um, and as 
as much swagger Kirk may have, um, there's very few fictional characters in my mind that are as, as cool as Han Solo. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's... It was... You know, you think about... Obviously, I'm not trying to say he's like him, but you know, when, when you think about pop culture characters that uh, that you know people thought were cool, you've got the Fonz, and and there the, are the a few other characters here and there. But I know I just threw it out there, but because it's it's I mean that's what you think about. You know, someone thinks depending on your age, someone thinks of of certain yeah, characters. But but, but, then, but then once you realize what a nerd Henry Winkler is, it was kind that's of hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, <laughs> But no, it's it's uh it, it, first of all, I mean, Han shot first. Han gave, you know, he he was he, he's cold-hearted. He just wanted the money and, you know, obviously over time um the people not emotionally close but physically close to him started to wear him down. So, uh it it, it was nice to see what was inside that shell, but no, it, it's uh, to answer Hassan's question it's uh, between those two it's it's solo nice what about you tom yeah i agree han solo kirk uh while he does cool things right i mean he's just like an admiral too just like a guy that works at an office at a certain point (laughs) right yeah and it wasn't even and it it wasn't it, it wasn't so much that if you think kirk was cool it was kirk is the epitome when I think of, because that's another thing about that, that I like about Star Trek is the fact that it, it, when you, you know, it's the whole rising tide thing. When you surround yourself with with, with good people, with competent people, with 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 people who you can trust and depend on, and the converse is true. Um, it's Kirk isn't cool because he's Kirk. Kirk is cool because of who he surrounds himself with. He's cool because he's mm-hmm. got Spock on one side, McCoy on the other. He's got Scotty running the ship. And 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 that's... So that's... I mean, Kirk isn't even the coolest dude on the Enterprise from the original series. So it's it, it's a solid question. I, I definitely appreciate it. But um, yeah, there's, there's... It's really not much of a debate for me. Nice. When they tried, like when J.J. Abrams came in, they were sort of Han Solo and Kirk. Up. Yeah, and, like if it was the if, if oh, you yeah. were if you were asking who's cooler, Chris Pine Kirk, Kelvin vs. Kirk, or original Prime timeline Kirk, I'd probably have to go with Pine. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say I think Pine is cooler than than Shatner. Than Shatner, but again, different eras, right? Yep. Like different eras. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to I want to give some love because there's some there's some conceptual continuity with having Tony on to talk about this particular book. Because um, you know, again, for for those that are newer to the show, I mean, you're obviously familiar with Tony because he's on a hell of a lot. But um, but you know, maybe you don't remember the origin story. So we knew Tony way back in the day when he wasn't Stray Dogs Tony Fleece, My Little Pony Tony Fleece. He was you know struggling artist trying to get in the industry Tony Fleece, and uh, he listened to the show and he was on our uh, we used to have a message forum called Munden's Bar that uh, was very vibrant, and uh, and he was a part of that community, and uh, you know that's where we got to know him, you know, back in the day, like before he was type of a thing, and we've been friends ever since, and that is a similar story to uh, our relationship with Ryan Brown, aka Ryan Brownie. Um, I got to give credit to Neesman, right? Neesman 
put us on to Brown when we first started doing the show because they were both Chicago guys. Well, I mean, Brownie's a Detroit guy, but they knew each other from the Chicago comic scene, to be fair. Um, and I think the first C2E2 is we, we met Ryan that uh, he was doing. Uh, he's doing God. Hate, I assume it was God Hates Astronauts, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Is that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, super fun guy. And he he also was listening to the show and we just started and we kind of struck up fast friendships. And he had, he's been on the show a bunch of times. Admittedly, he hasn't been on in recent years. Um I hope to rectify that. No, actually, he we him on. Well, actually, we let him on right, came, right he, when Eight Billion yeah, Genies. Tri- yeah, he made his triumphant comeback. That's right, right before Eight Billion Genies. Um, but yeah, that, I so I wanted to talk about Eight Billion Genies because it just strikes me as like I, I it warms my heart. I think you both have had similar uh, like arcs in the sense that we knew you when, but now you in the last few years have experienced well deserved and tremendous financial and commercial success. You know, like and again, you put in the time. You, you kept at it. You, you kept putting out the product and believing in yourselves. And now you've, you're reaping the rewards. And I think it's awesome. You know, and, and Ryan, I think when he's come on the show over the years, if you listen to the episodes, he was very, very candid, right, with us about how uh, it's for him. It was dejecting because he's if you if those of you listening aren't familiar with Ryan's art style, it's it's definitely not like mainstream. You know, it's definitely grittier, like a little more organic, a little more frenetic. And, um, you know, he tried to make a go of, of mainstream comics, got a few gigs at Marvel and the like, and it just didn't work out because they didn't love his style. And um, he just kept putting out his product, you know, and then found the crowdsourcing angle. And that was a, a big boon to him. It kind of gave him the lifeline he needed to continue to make comics. And then all the credit, you know, again, I'm going to have to eat some crow here. Um, he became friends with Charles Soule, who, you know, at the time was uh, a rising in prominence artist at Marvel, uh, not artist, writer at Marvel. Um, you know, I famously, you know, belittled soul and said he was dead to me because of the way he handled Wolverine. Uh, you know, a bit of it was tongue in cheek, but at the end of the day, I certainly lambasted the dude. Um, but Ryan and Charles became fast friends and began collaborating together. And they, um, you know, they, they've now had two massively successful, collaborations and and i think that that um eight billion genies has been like so cool to see because um you know much like you know you tony with with stray dogs and and the the doors is open for you and the financial you know success it's had like it's the same with eight billion genies i mean i remember when we were at new york comic-con last year uh normally we'd see ryan at, at a con and we could sit and chit chat with him for 20 30 minutes with with no issue right just catch up on life uh, at New York Comic Con, we couldn't do that because he had a massive line the entirety of the four days, and was just selling gobsmacking amounts of variant covers and signed books and 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 the like, just just raking in the cash. You could hear the cash register ringing in the background, um, and it was great. Like like yeah, I would have, I would love to have had the time to catch up with him, but it was like so affirming to see him put in close to fifteen plus years of making comics and then they finally get that that landslide of success and ador- of adoration and part of it is because Apley and genies almost the second that i think the first issue came out was was bought by amazon um to be turned to, to tv show now uh i assume it's still going on like you know these you know how these things are with with media they they're very mum about them once they get like they get picked up and then you don't really hear much about them until they're either done or canceled right like you don't really get a lot of updates as to but as far as I know, it's still going on and it's still in in the pipeline, um, and, and that that's that's been great. But but Apley and Genies finished up, what like 
maybe three, four weeks ago? Recently. Like, it's been within the last month the eighth and final issue came out. And I saved it all. We read the first um, two or three issues when Ryan was last on to talk about it. He had sent us them in, had, for the release. But uh, I decided to wait for the rest of it and uh, and then barreled through issues three through eight um, this month. And and it just was wonderful. It was so much fun. And again, like, it's, it's not dissimilar in its aesthetic to Ryan's career work. Like, he's always been one who loves to put just crazy images together on a page, you know, things that make you go like, wait, what? Um, and so this kind of story, and for those that don't remember, the story is pretty simple. Uh, one day, everybody on the planet gets a genie, like a little, little blue looking electronic, like two dimensional uh, apparition shows up and says, hey, I'm a genie. Uh, unlike what you've heard in stories, I don't give you three wishes, I give you one wish, but whatever you wish for, I give you. And then I disappear. And uh, so 8 billion people on the planet all get a genie. And uh, hijinks literally ensue. And you you chronicle what happens over at first the course of like the first few minutes to the next few hours, to the next eight hours, to the next eight days. You get it and so on and so forth until over the course of the series you get through uh, 80 years and then you get a concluding issue. Uh, to Tony's point, like you kind of get like those 80 years through the first seven issues and then the eighth issue is almost like an epilogue of sorts. Um, but I just thought it was incredibly creative and fun and it just, you know, you can see how, if this does get picked up for a show, it could be a show that lasts for 10 years because I mean, think of all the stories you could do about people making wishes and the consequences of those wishes and all that. Um, and I just thought, thought it was a perfect vehicle visually for Ryan and the kind of stories he likes to tell because he could do, you know, a, a city of flying it, it, whales. We mentioned whales before. There's a panel where there's this haven city, safe haven place where it's a gigantic whale and the city's built on top of the whale that's flying in the sky. And it's like, I'm like, you know, he can draw like the craziest shit that would be nonsensical in either way. But in a world where everybody has can make wishes come true, it, it makes sense. Um, and I thought it was great. And where I say I'm eating crow, it's because, you know, all kidding aside, like I, I, I mean, Charles wrote the book and I, I think it's terrific. Like it's funny and it's well paced and it's well structured. And I think it has a heartfelt core. And I, so I got to give Charles credit too. I mean, I think they, they really were a perfect pairing with this and uh, I loved it. And I hope that uh, people pick up the, I'm sure pending hardcover collection of the whole eight issues because it's certainly worth it so it, it's really great i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say like that it's the best work of ryan's career only in the sense that i love all of this stuff in a big way um but it's certainly like another great feather in his cap and uh and i i really sincerely hope for his sake that it it does become a show and, and goes on forever for a long time i think just that like uh as, as a team they I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's necessarily a situation where the together they're stronger than they are apart, but I do feel like the balance that each of them brings to the other one is sort of perfect. like they have, they really are a, a good team together. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, like sort of the, some of the, the stuff that I think, like, I think Ryan's stuff is always cool, but I think what sort of may have held it back as far as being like a, a smash hit, you know, with the general public is the sort of like the the most Ryan-y stuff about it, which is, you know, like when he just gets fucking crazy wacky or just like, <laughs> like, 
you know, so like jokes that like are Ouroboros that just circle around each other and just swallow their own tail. Um, and they're hilarious only to him, which is great. I love that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, isn't this hilarious? And then he puts it up there. And like, if you're in, a, if you get it, you get it. But if you don't, then it just sort of like zips right past you. And, and I remember one time me and my studio mates, we like basically, uh, wrote a guy's name in the book of grudges because at a dinner one time he was just like, well, it's just so hard to do humor in comics. And he, but he was a unfunny person. Um, and it's not hard to do humor in comics. Like it's not hard. If you're funny, it's not hard to do something that's funny, but it is hard to sell it. Uh, because, because comics aren't necessarily where people come to buy humor, even though, you know, like it's comics, comedy, whatever. Well, do you, do you grok on, I mean, I often say, I, I, I hope you agree. I mean, uh, often I always make the point that humor to me is just more, more subjective, right? Like than, than other types. So, so it just inherently like, I feel like something that that's perceived as funny by some, it's also going to be like, like vampire, like garlic to a vampire to others. Right. Cause it's like, you know, there's like a wider spectrum of what people think is funny or not funny. Yeah, so I maybe. Think... I mean, there is still a skill to it the same way that, like, if you're good at telling a story, if you're good at writing, if, like, drawing a fight scene, like, that you can be good at doing a joke in a comic that same way, you know, like. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. So it is subjective to a certain extent, but also, like, I do think that if you're funny, you can make comics that are funny and, and they're just like, you know. But not like people are going to piss their pants when they read Time Shopper. But, you know, like, I'm a funny enough guy. And, like, you know, if you read the whole thing, there's at least one or two things that you go, like, ah, right on. You know, like, <laughs> this was enjoyable. <laughs> right, um, right. But, I, but, you know, like, talking about Time Shopper, and I talked about that on here before, about how, like, you know, what a struggle it was to get that thing made and out there and had to kickstart it and all this stuff. And, like, when we solicited it, it sold terribly through Diamond. And it's not not just because it was from like a publisher that people didn't trust and it was a price point that was crazy and yada yada, but like it is just real hard to sell straight jokes. And I was talking to somebody else recently and was sort of like they were they were writing sort of like what I would call pre Charles Soul brownie stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like like full wacky, full crazy, like you're just like, Woof, this guy's really going for it, you know? Um and I told him like, look, Sorry, I'm having I'm under attack. Apparently. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Paratroopers uh, are flying in, dude. Like you can like somebody eventually is gonna really break through with this. But if it wasn't Ryan and it wasn't like so many of these people we've seen that come and take a swing at this, I don't like it seems like you would have to be the, you know, Jerry Seinfeld of people that draw comics to to make the the humor comic the comedy comic that comes out and people just go like, here it is. Finally, you know, this is our saga for jokes. <laughs> right. Uh, so you're much better off like being funny and wrapping that up inside a, inside a comic that is some sort of genre comic or, you know, like, like I don't like horror movies that are like comedy horror movies, but I like all my characters in horror movies to be funny, you know, or, just, or, or not all of them, but just like, I like there to be jokes, but I don't like the, the action part to be a joke. You know, yep. I don't know, but but I think but going back to Abelian Genes, I think like where these two found each other is I think like Charles Soule's stuff has never been more fun and sort of like heartfelt, 
and but but then he also is sort of like holding a sort of structure on like sort of like pinning Brownie in on his his more wackadoo uh, impulses. I yeah, think. it's it's interesting because yeah, I I agree with what you're saying, and, and what I remember vividly, um, the, we were I was leaving a C two E two, and um, I shared a a. A ride, you know, I think it was pre-Uber. So I shared a, a taxi uh, to the airport with Brownie, and we were going through security together and stuff. And we were taking different flights, but we, and and I remember him as we were going through security saying, "Oh man, you know, uh, like I'm I'm gonna do something with Charles Soul." <laughs> like this is before you know before curse words ever was a thing. I'm like, oh, I'm like really, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, because all I had seen from Soul had been like these super serious. Yeah. Like dramatic superhero arcs, right? Like they're like I think it just started Daredevil, but he obviously did the Wolverine stuff. And I'm like, interesting, man. And he, I remember him saying at the time, like, you wouldn't think it, but he's hilarious. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, sure he is. Like, is he really hilarious? Like, really? But I mean, I guess the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, like they have it, and 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 I think sub. I mean, that was many years ago, but but they have clearly they have one of those like genuine friendships, right? Like it's yeah. I mean, yes, they are collaborators in this stuff, but like they're like legit great friends and and like i think genuinely love being around each other and and make each other laugh and stuff and i think that's a that's a great partnership and one i i doubt they'll i don't see why they'd ever stop at this point and we'll say they're falling out because obviously it's it's been phenomenal for both of them it's like to, uh, to van lenthe and uh, dunleaving it's like they're just going to be hand in hand for like eternity yeah. i it, yeah. it's hearing hearing ryan talk that way about charles just makes me think about the industry pros who try to convince me that uh, Zadarsky is funny. <laughs> but uh, it's... This is why I say it's subjective. It is, absolutely is. Dude, so many people love Zadarsky. Yeah. I get it. It's, it's, it but it's, it's, it's all that. Um, I, I think his comments are funny. Uh, I just think, like, his weird affect is, is weird to me. <laughs> I, um... I, no, thank you. I've been waiting for uh, Eight Billion Genies to, to wrap up before I, I I catch up with it, so I'll, I'll be getting to it soon. Yeah, but, and I didn't give any spoilers, but I mean, I no, really I do know. think it would. And again, like, and, and you know, look, I mean, I think part of being, uh, I hate the term adulting, but part of being mature and, and getting wiser with age is that you you can admit when you're wrong. And 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 I haven't had the chance to come across Charles at a con in, you know, in, in years. But, but if in fact we, you know, we do see him like in New York, if with, cause we, you know, he's with Ryan or whatever, like I'm going to shake his hand and, 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 and apologize to him. Not again, not because like ever, like I, I doubt even like, I don't think it, I don't think he ever cared what I had to say, but like, you know, I definitely like wrote him off in a way that I think was unfair, you know, in retrospect, like, like I do think the guys obviously at, proven to be a, a versatile and talented writer um i mean certainly not everything he's written has been for me but but i think at this point like when i look at the breadth of the things he's done in different genres of different types and they've all been very well received uh yeah i i think i definitely sold the guy short those years ago when when i was panning him i think that wasn't fair so i think when he um when he started he he barely, he was pretty much I, I knew of him as like 
Scott Snyder's friend. Like, like that's how he got yeah, the he job was like, at he DC. Was lawyer, he was lo- corporate he was, lawyer guy yes, turned writer. Yep, and it was, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know he's written Star Wars novels. He's of course written Star Wars books, the the comics. But yeah, I I um I I can appreciate. I do appreciate Eight Billion Jesus. I I never got into curse words. It's probably something I'll check out once I one of these well, years. This is me. Yeah, I have the the hardcover. I think I don't remember if it was Kickstarter or through Image. I forget. But I have the like the omnibus hardcover of it. Even though, like you said, I I really. Like I did that mainly to support Ryan. Yep. Um, not that not not that he needs it now. I guess now he's doing it right now. But back then I felt like he could have used the support. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like like my enjoyment of Alien Genies was so dramatic that I I feel like I I'm guessing I my sort of like unfair anti soul perspective kept me from diving into that book. And I suspect if if I do get around to it with our Regina Piles being massive, you never know. But uh, I'll probably really enjoy it. So I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm of the same mind. Like I think I suspect when I do, if I do go, go in and crack that open, I'll be like, damn, why wasn't I reading this back in the day? You can, um, you can pre-order eight billion genies from our sponsor, cheapgraphicnovels.com, uh, for twenty seven ninety nine, and it is due. Nice. The release date is July. Nice. Oh, maybe it's in this month's previews. I think I haven't looked at I haven't looked at this. Or it might have been. Yet. It might have been in because it's it's July. They like to do the collections oh, yeah, so while out. So I think it was a couple months ago. It might have been in there. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Were you going to say something, Tony? I was going to say you don't need to apologize to Charles. So you just tell him you like the new thing. Nobody wants to hear. I'm sorry. I used to hate your work. Oh no! no well, I it's. Understand. I don't think no, it's so I'm, much I'm being that conceptual. I'm saying like car, like karma wise. I'm not. Yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't be like, hey, you don't know me, but I shot on you ten years like that. No, I get that. Like the only the, the other reason I I throw it out there is because you know and again we're an open book. I mean, there was a time, and we may have talked about this at the time when they were promoting curse words. Yeah. When and we Ryan wanted Ryan on, on show many times. Yeah. Yep. Was going to come on the show. And I was very honest and said, well, you know, you know how we do. I, I can't guarantee that I'm not going to be critical of, of, of Charles's work to date. Like, and, and I want to be upfront about that because I don't want it to be awkward. Yeah. And I believe is, and again, my memory is hazy. This was probably what, eight, 10 years ago. I believe Ryan understandably at times said, well, all right, I won't come on uh, if that's the case. And I'm like, yeah, respect. And and then I think it was the thing where, um, you know, it was like the he said, she said. Then I think it was like Ryan was like, well, Char, you know, Charles is not happy with what right. he said about him. So, yeah. like, I, I don't think it'd be cool for me to come on the show since, like, he's upset. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, fair. Like, and at the time I was probably like, well, F that dude, like, whatever. Like, we don't, like, it's your, like, you, like, we, you know, you don't, if you don't want to come on, don't come on. And again, that's all, like, buried under the bridge. That's why I say, like, I do think... At, now, do I think Charles remembers this? Probably not. But like, there was a time when he was very aware of the fact that that I was critical of him on the show. So like, it, it isn't like he was he was aware of it at some point. Again, whether it, it means anything to him now, I can't say. But like, it wouldn't be like out of the blue where he's just like, I don't even know who you are. Like, why are you bringing this up? You know. So I'm glad I scratched at that scab. That that was an exciting story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Listen, we're an open book. I, you know, it is what it is, man. Same, you know, that, that, we'll have to do a bunch. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, are there any creators that I just genuinely would have no, like, no love loss for if I saw it at a con? And there are. I'm not going to air them here, but like, there are a few that come to mind immediately, but not many. There's a few that are like dead to me, though. 
Mainly, you know, it's mainly people that screwed people over on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have trouble with. I do have trouble with that, like you severely. Take that personally. Huh? You take that personally? I do. Well, I feel like it's 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 theft. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. It's it's theft. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, let's 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 keep it the positive. Um, Okay, uh, this one is – I don't have a response to this, but uh, Dap, this one's mainly for you, I guess. This is from Tomio. Uh, are you all secure in the truth that Benjamin Sisko is Star Trek's greatest captain? Uh, you know what? I Prior to the third season of Picard, I would I, – 100%, absolutely. Of, wow, all, okay. of, of, all, of all the Trek captains – Cisco is an absolute badass and I would I would be honored and scared to serve on any ship he commands. However, even though it was only a handful of episodes and I'd love to see more of him um Captain Shaw because we only saw so much of him in the third season of Picard, uh Captain Shaw is is somebody I think who um, who demands respect, but but no, Tomio is correct. Um, there is there is no more badass hardcore captain that uh, that commands a, a a Starfleet ship than uh, than Cisco. As much as I enjoy Michael Burnham, and 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 Lord knows she kicks ass, and and Philippa Giorgio was. Great, but no, yeah, Cisco is uh, Cisco is absolutely where it's at. I have never seen an episode of Deep Space Nine. Stop. Yeah. Oh, that my yeah. heart. Hurts. I really have no like. I have no frame of reference for it. Deep Space Nine. Worf was on it, right? Like, is that the that Worf? Was Worf like, was on it, yeah. uh, starting with I think the third or fourth season. But um, okay, and and that his his. his Adding him to the to, to the crew uh, was phenomenal. They didn't they didn't do it like oh here's Wolverine we're going to add him to the Fantastic Four. It was there was a legit reason, sure, uh, and a logical explanation for him to be there. Because um, even O'Brien, who of course was the was was one of the engineers on the Enterprise and and the transporter chief, and he he's, he was the chief engineer on the space on on the station. Um, but uh, Deep Space Nine has the honor of having one of it it's it's usually my number one but um all time hands down favorite slash best hours of episodic television is is from a uh is is from deep space nine I might have to roll it into the rotation. You know what it is? It's it's just about again life life cycles. Oh. Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine was 1993 to 1999. Yep. I was in college from 92 to 96, and then starting my career work in finance, where I worked 20 hours a day for a bunch of years. So like, I just that window of time with pop culture was the only time in my life I really was unplugged. It was the only time in my life I wasn't reading comics. Um, I just yeah, just I so that's why right. And then I was like me with. Kind of was a, with uh, with Voyager and Enterprise, I was just—I mean, because of work, because of my schedule, I wasn't able to watch those those shows as they were coming out. But um, but the first the first season or two, um, they're, they're not necessarily growing pains, but they're they're definitely 
getting their sea legs and and uh but once once you get past those first few episodes and and you see everything come together i mean i mean we, we've got it it's it was the one because basically the next generation everything got kind of wrapped up in an hour everything was told in in that one hour on a saturday evening and that was that you would occasionally have a two-parter you would have the cliffhanger with the seasons um between seasons but for the most part they wrapped whatever however the episode started the story concluded it all wrapped up they were on their way by the hour's end deep space nine actually gave you season-long storylines you had you had wars you've had deaths you've it 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 actually it it was heavy it was it was a darker series um the you had uh there was there, there was actual damage done to starfleet to 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 these characters uh that actually were felt years later um it 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 picks up in the uh in the current paramount plus series so i mean it it's uh it's it definitely left its mark um it is it's it's probably from start to finish uh the strongest of all trek series and and the only thing is um discovery has it in my mind discovery has the best first season of any Star Trek series, because I mean, it, it started strong and it, it just kept going. Whereas every other, I mean, it's like that with any television show, it, it, the first season, especially with the pilot and then whatever changes the studio has to make after the test screenings, the, the first seasons of, of almost every television show can be a bit rough. Um, that was, uh, that was absolutely not the case with, um, with discovery's first season, but, but deep space nine is, um, Start to finish, one 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 of the most solid Trek series out there. Literally, my buddy Nick was just telling me this exact same thing yesterday, uh, because he ran into the showrunner uh, out on the picket lines yesterday at, uh, at Warner Brothers. Which uh, the guy who not Terry Metalis, uh, maybe the showrunner for which show for Picard oh, for DC. Oh, for Deep Space Nine? Yeah. Um, oh, crap. Um, that was... Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. No, keep, I'll, I'll... It's... Basically, it, it, it was the guy who's... Who... Like, Paramount was paying attention more to Voyager. Yep. And they just wrapped up uh, uh, Next Gen. And so they just sort of let him cook and let him do his own thing. And he was the one that was just like, well, let's make this story go on all season. Like that, yep. that type of stuff. Um, he, he said he ran into that guy and told him he was a big fan. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, two Deep Space Nine convos in a row. That's, that's the sort of nerdy world that I'm living in. It really is. Damn. I think my favorite captain, uh, I want to say Connor Roy, Captain Connor Roy, from the, what did he fly, the Excelsior? Uh, Cameron from... Oh, Cameron from uh, Alan Ruck. Um Ruck. Uh, from from uh, Generations, the one who Kirk's yeah. last movie. Yeah, he showed up and saved the day. <laughs> he says, "You see, want to take her out, Captain?" And yeah, yeah, he was all no. He was he was fun. It was funny to to see because he's um he is such. 
I feel so bad for him as Connor Roy sometimes, man. This poor bastard. Yeah. I know J- Jason loves Secession. Um, I don't think he started it yet, only because he doesn't want to waste any more time in that world. I uh, I felt bad for Connor until that whole the the part where he was talking about keeping his one percent in his presidential. Oh election. yes, yeah, from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and then ah, <laughs> uh, poor bass. And then, but then, but then you feel bad for him when uh, when they're on the boat for the uh, for the wedding, and yeah. and they get the news about dad, and I'm like, and he just he's just he is so. He's got tunnel vision. There's just, it, he doesn't see anything beyond the moment. And that's fine. And then he's going to tell Willa, you know, it's okay if you want to just marry me for my money. It's okay if you're ever going to leave me. It's like, bro, come on. <laughs> who does this? You poor bastard. Who hurt you? Well, obviously we know who hurt him, but still. <sighs> super, super damaged. Was it, um, uh, was it Iron, Ira Bear? Oh, Ira. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the person he was. Yeah, cool. That's very cool. I was also super psyched when Sulu was a captain in one of those. He was the captain of uh, the Undiscovered Country, uh, and um, yeah. and and his daughter was the um, was on the was on the bridge when your boy Cameron was captain in Generations. Yes, yes. Because Kirk's like, when did Sulu have time to have a kid? It's like, bro, people have families just because you don't. <laughs> Yeah, Kirk had kids. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk had a kid he didn't know about. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, you know Kirk got in where he fit in. He absolutely I mean. did, which is why he didn't know about the kids he had. But, um, no, the... Uh, um, that yeah, term that, may uh, upset Tony's sensibilities. I should have used okay. a different term. <laughs> I just... I feel very special about Princess Leia. I don't want to talk about. <laughs> All right, here's one. Uh, we're gonna let Tony answer this first. Um, this is from uh, our buddy Chris, uh, who just made a big move cross cross country. Um, are you more or less the same as far as how into Star Wars you are now as you were back in the day when the original trilogy existed, and for years everyone was hungry for more. Now, you're a smidge younger than us, so I'm not even sure if the trilogy nostalgia was as strong of a tractor beam for you, but, uh, yeah, what is your perspective on that? Oh, no, it was. Like, okay. uh, I mean, Star Wars is a... Is, I'm, I'm not one of those people where, like, Star Wars is their whole personality, but, like, it was a big a big deal for me. And, like, as far as, like, collecting goes, like, I would, you know, like, I would, I'd love to go to Star Wars Celebration and get, like, Star Wars toys and posters. Like, there's a whole hallway in my house that's just all Star Wars stuff. Uh, so, like, I'm pretty into Star Wars. Uh, but I was way more into Star Wars before when it was just three movies and, you know, the Ewok specials and the couple cartoons. Uh, like, when those... I feel like the most I was into it was when those THX laser discs came out. Uh, and it was just like, now you can see it. You know, they're going to re-release them in theaters. They're going to put, start putting new, some new special effects. I was into it when the special editions were coming out, too. I was so psyched about that. Um, but I do think, the, like, like we were saying earlier, the more of it there is, the less special it feels, sort of, um, to the point where when I was moving into this house, I had to pack, you know, I packed up my old place and I put all my Star Wars toys into crates 
and uh, they're still in crates. Like it's just in a corner. Damn. I'm like, you know, like I haven't, I haven't been like, well, I should decorate this place with all my little toys and stuff. You know, maybe it's because I'm trying to, you know, want to have like a swank pad to bring chicks back to if I ever get done with work. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's just like all all packed away. So less less so right now. Although. I, I remain optimistic about it. I always feel like they could get me back. And some of the stuff that mm-hmm. other people were out on, I was way in on. Like, I, I love Episode 7. Like, I think that's dope. Um, and I, I feel like, I, obviously, I didn't stick the landing on that thing. But, you know, as far as, like, new characters and the feeling of it and the vibe and the moments, you know, like, just give me Star Wars moments. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Um... I'm with you. I mean, I think I think part of it, though, is just simply the fact that uh, and we've talked about this a trillion times on the show. Nostalgia is uh, hard to beat. Right. I mean, it because it's and and so the things you love at a certain point in your life are almost always going to be the best versions of the thing, even if you continue to like that thing forever. Like here we are all in our you know late 40s, early 50s talking about comic books like it's like. An Avengers comic I read tomorrow, even if it's amazing, isn't going to be like when I first read Avengers when I was 10 years old. Like, that's not – it's never going to be like that. Like, and that's fine. Like, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be like that to still be great. But, there, yeah, there's no comparison to – I mean, as a kid, Star Wars was everything. I mean, it was magic. It was – those three films were perfect to me and to my friends. Like, there were – because we were too young to know how to criticize film. We, they were, I mean, they were like almost literally like magic. It was like an incredible world with this connected mythology that we all were into, you know? I mean, I didn't have many friends, if any, really growing up that loved comic books like I did, but I didn't have a single friend that didn't love the Star Wars movies, right? Like, like it was just a thing. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, that, that it's been waves for me. Um, you know, again, because I'm a parent of a certain age, I don't have the disdain for the prequels like many of you do. Um, I, I don't – again, the, as an adult, I can't look at those movies and say they're like as good films. But but my kids' first exposure and love for Star Wars, which persists to this day, were those prequels. You know, And and then for me – and I've said this and this may sound like a hot take. I, I personally think that the Filoni cartoon verse is the best Star Wars ever like like putting the i mean the three films are their own thing but like i think if i were just if i had never seen star wars before like today and you were like all right would this year you're going to consume all star wars things ever created i believe that feloni's cartoons most notably clone wars would objectively be the best stuff that was ever made i think they're amazing and i i watch them with my kids and and we all love them and i I'm stunned how well they've held up. I've watched The Clone Wars twice now because my youngest was too young when it was first coming out. And then we we watched it over the pandemic. I think they're incredible. And so, like, those I'm in love with almost as much as the original films for different reasons. But in terms of, like, just pure visceral excitement and, like, if you just said to me, if I'm taking some kind of psychological exam or a Rorschach test and you say Star Wars – it's going to be the trilogy. I mean, that's, it's, it's always going to be that no matter what happens from here. So, yeah. I, uh, I I think I like rebels more than clone wars. Uh, but like consistency wise, I feel like rebels like is stronger in a row. Uh, 
but I consider it all together. I'm like, I for me, it's all one thing. I know that animation styles are different, but I like, I, I love Bad Batch. To me, it's all one big thing. I'm real excited about uh, Ahsoka and just seeing and seeing how that, yeah, how that ties. Although the Filoni verse does have my my real least favorite thing ever to happen in any Star Wars Palpatine returning anything, uh, which is when they had time travel. I'm fucking. I'll never forgive him for that shit. I saw him on a plane, <laughs> and I was just like, "This motherfucker's next to me at baggage claim. I'm gonna say something about that fucking time travel." Uh, because, wow. it, like it, like when it happened, I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, nope, no, oh, come on, what?" <laughs> I feel like one of those chuds that hates episode eight, you know, that have girls in. I get that. I want to join a men's rights group. I Holy shit! That's ridiculous. Where do I sign up, EVS? Yeah, what about you? Um, are, you are you in the same boat? Yeah, I think I am. I um, yeah, it's the the trilogy was absolutely. Um, I was enamored with it, and then we get nothing for so long. Um, and I understand, you know the. Well, we had the extended universe, right? Like we often don't, but like, like. Well, no, I mean, yeah, we had the comics, we had the novels. The novels were amazing. I mean, a lot of, yeah. the, I mean, the Zon stuff was incredible. Splinter I mean, of the and, Mind's and our, Eye. I was definitely and, into that. For yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I'm. There are certain. There are certain properties, and it's stupid, but um, like if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, in its original medium like if 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 the movies if if the novels or the dark horse comics if 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 they were canon if they were part of it if it didn't if i didn't see it on the screen like it kind of just for some reason like it didn't register and um and that's stupid because you're going to ignore like so many great stories so that, that that's not a good way to look at things but um it's uh it, there are um if so when I just think about the live action stuff, when I think about the movies, um, you know, we, we, you'd get the EY, we had the droids cartoon, but I mean, you had little things here and there. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, then, you know, pretty much as far as something visually exciting to watch, we didn't have anything until like, you know, 1999, we get the beginning of, of, of the prequels. And, I understand just like the original trilogy may not have been made for our parents, the prequels weren't made for us if we have kids taking them to see that. I, I, I totally get it. And um that doesn't just because they maybe have been more in tune for things that, you know, kids might enjoy. Although I don't know if you know cutting Darth Maul in half is something the kids are going to be excited about, but if 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 you have that happening, you know, the story, the acting, there should still be something for. It's like if you if, if you're going to go watch a Disney movie with your kid and your kids will be so you go to see Toy Story with your kids, and you know they're excited because they're watching Toy Story, but there's still something part there's still a, there's still something that tugs at your grown ass cold dead heart because you know. The, Pixar is writing something that, that that's going to connect with everybody watching it, and and there that that's what I felt was missing from the prequels. It's like um, it's a visual 
spectacle and 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 this is great to look at but you know and Hayden Christensen acting as as Anakin wasn't and whether that's that's Hayden or whether that's Lucas's direction it there were still things that were lacking in the prequel so I'm 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 but I am glad that they exist so that it could have brought in a new generation to enjoy Star Wars and um, yeah I think the best example of all this for me always is is the X-Men cartoon like oh god yeah I have absolute like I'm as hardcore an X Men fan as you'll find. <laughs> I think the X Men cartoon is like legit bad. Like, it is, bad oh, cartoon. so bad. Like I think the art style. I think the animation is horrendous. It's it's choppy. It's it's like it's super low budget. Um, like it's nonsensical. <laughs> yes. But like that is like I just punched someone in the face. Like like people listening are probably gonna unsubscribe. Like for a certain generation, maybe like eight to ten years younger than us, that was their gateway not only to mutants but like to comics. to comics julian and for that i love it like i love that the x-men cartoon exists because it really did bring in yep. tons of people in their 30s right now into comics forever and that's awesome so i'm but like as a person who thinks like i adore mutant stuff of all kinds like i i think it's like unwatchably bad yeah. like like it's that bad like there have been a few points in my life i'm like oh, okay like i'll give this another try i mean no. i love the x-men right like <laughs> And then I'll I'll like watch like an episode and be like, nah, it's it's still so horrible. Good. It's, I'm good. Yeah. And and again, it's like I I understand they were like, well, it was of its time. Well, we had Batman <laughs> animated series. Yes. I mean, we had we had Justice League Unlimited. Like, we had some incredible looking cartoons that also were mature and well structured. So it really wasn't of its time. Like no. it was. It, that's not an excuse, right? Like this isn't like <laughs> this isn't like 1950s like black and white Superman where they had to like have the dude on a. Clothesline and go across the screen, like you know, what I'm saying, like, like yes. it was, you know, there were really great art animation. There was really great animation happening at the time. Like Akira was being turned into a an anime at that time. Like, like you you could have done some pretty cool stuff, right? Like, like Robotech was like ten years came out ten years before that. Like, and it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like so. But my point is, I'm getting off the kilter. My point is, is like I always think like that is the for me the top example. Like, like yes, like it doesn't have to be for me, but I'm still glad that it happened because yep. it was a gateway. Yeah. And, and the uh, and I it, 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 as I've as I've gotten older, I've I it, it doesn't even th- there are parts of of seven eight and nine that are a whiff. I mean, almost once a month in the uh, in our in our chats with uh, with the NC boys and Vander. Someone will mention Jake Skywalker, and and I can't believe they put that. And and I and I chuckle, but even though, even though there are things you could scoff at with with those last three movies, it's still Star Wars. It's 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 like you know, what's the analogy with 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 the sex or pizza? It's like it's it doesn't matter if it's bad. It's so it's I understand that the 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 last three movies might not light everybody's world on fire. I was I'll I'll still watch them because it's still Star Wars. I'll still just kick back and I'll be like, All right, I'm just gonna go watch some some space battles and 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 racist aliens. But it it's there's just things that um, I I think as yes back then after Return of the Jedi, of course I want more. I I I need more Star Wars to get the toys and 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 now. Now we're, we're we're lousy with with Star Wars content, and whether it's Andor, whether it's Kenobi, 
whether it's even the Book of Boba Fett, which, yes, it might be the weakest that we've gotten so far of all the live-action Star Wars shows. And um, I could still... I'm, I'm still going to sit back and, and watch the story unfold of what the people who are making it want to tell. I... I I'm I'm glad it's there. So I'm still, yeah. I'm I'm my my excitement That's really level. Me. If I I'm, could if I could go, I can magically delete that from from, from existence. <laughs> I would delete it without hesitation. It's like I said it is it is it, it's I I I absolutely get it and and I don't I don't blame anybody for feeling that way. I, I'm I, I I absolutely support the decisions and the opinions, but um, it's there and. I, will I rewatch it? Probably I feel not about anytime Boba Fett soon. Like Tony feels about 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 Dave Stewart's coloring. Like it sullied an otherwise perfect character for me. Like, okay, okay. But anyway, yeah. It's no, I can get that. It yeah, is, that is it, that's no, that's fine. Listen, it, like it, it, but but to your point, in the grand scheme of all the Disney Star Wars shows, like like it's 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 just it's like if it was a six issue miniseries, it's like the third issue was like meh. But like the whole series is a banger. Like everything else has been so awesome. Like uh, it's yeah. fine. Yep. You know what's crazy about that Boba Fett show is that they have Grief Karga in the Mandalorian, who they made into basically that same character. And it's just like, what? Why not just have fucking Boba Fett be a bounty hunter? Like, that's what we like. Yeah. It's so crazy. They're just like, well, he's a mayor, you know, and he's got things to do. Things to do. Yeah, yeah. The best left. Yeah, the best left. <laughs> Let's move on. Tony, are there any comics that uh, you've been reading that you're like, why the fuck aren't those three talking about this gem? Um. Well, no. You guys, okay. you read more comics than I do. Uh, and when I talked about uh, Black Cloak last time I was on here, uh, you guys all, uh, well, I mean, at least a bunch of you had, oh, had had read it as well, and it made me go yeah. back and listen to that Kelly Thompson interview that you mentioned, and it was great. Oh, thanks. Oh, nice. But I did read another book in my in my cram sesh for tonight's episode, uh, and it is one that I think I probably brought up before, um, and I'm probably going to say the same shit about it again. Uh, but She Hulk <laughs> issue twelve. I mean, look, I've been on here a lot of times. Facts. Uh, Rowell, Andreas Jolet. I'm sure I said that wrong. Uh, Joe Quinones, uh, with colors by uh, D. Cunniff. Um, this is the hunt. You know, Marvel does that silly thing where they're like, it's the 175th issue. <laughs> it's, yes, legacy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Don't ever stop. 175th issue. Um, and I, if, if I've talked about it before, I apologize. But I super like Rainbow Rowell's characterization in this, in Runaways, uh, she did this book with Faith Aaron Hicks called Pumpkinheads that was sort of like a, a like a romance, teenage, coming-of-age type thing that was cute and fun, sort of like a YA book. Um, and she writes novels, too, but I'm, you know, I'm dumb. I don't, I'm going to be reading books like that. Uh, but I do read She-Hulk, and I, like as far as characterization goes, like I don't know that I've, I've read, because I've read you know like the Burn stuff, and I read... Uh, the slot stuff, um, and I read the Charles Soule stuff, and this I feel like is the is my favorite take on the character of She-Hulk, like just like Jen Walters and like her relationship to her job and other superheroes and 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 that type of thing. Like m- maybe slot a close second. I really like that slot run too. Um, 
But uh, this issue is like half following along the, the adventure we've been reading uh, with Jen and Jack of Hearts, and uh, she's uh, mixing it up with the Fantastic Four this time around. There's a new uh, villain who's uh, who looks like they're having a meet cute, like they might have a relationship or an affair of some sort. And this guy's a thief, and they get in fights, um, and that just sort of moves the uh, moves the story along that we've been following. But there's a great little uh, backup story by. Joking Jonas and Rainbow Rowell that is uh, She-Hulk and her friends and they have a book club and it's just She-Hulk and Janet Van Dyne and the Daughters of the Dragon and Patsy Walker and Sue Richards um, and Volcana shows up, super villain Volcana um, and they just they're having a book club and so it's just like a all kinds of character stuff, which I think Rainbow Rowell's great at. Um, and they're in like big character stuff where it sort of like moves the story forward to, uh, but zero uh, super heroics or ballyhoo that we like out of a Marvel superhero comic, which I, I think I probably said in the past is like my one beef with Rainbow Rowell stuff is that like she's so great at characters, but as far as like surprising me with plot stuff or like the adventure of it, I feel like that's something she's still getting up to speed on. Uh, and I feel like, you know, like at some point she's going to hit that stride and I'm there for it. Cause like the, the part that she's great at is enough to carry me until she gets great at the other part too. I think. Do you, fair. Fair. Do you have thoughts on that? Are you reading this at all? Well, one of you, one of you has been punching your mic the last 10 minutes. I don't know if, uh, I don't know which one of you it is, but it sounds like someone's assaulting their mic. <laughs> it, it um, yeah, I'm guessing it's Tony. Maybe it's, he's drawing while he's writing, so he's. But either either way, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a couple issues behind, but I was I'm very much enjoying it. Um, like you said, I think the characterization of of She-Hulk and her supporting cast has been terrific. Even things like Jack like like Jack Parts or or Janet Van Dyne, like it just seems like role makes them feel vibrant and interesting. Um, yeah, I will say that, uh, I, I would, if I've ever read a comic with, um, the artist's name, I, is it Genolette? How do you say it? Do you know how to say it? Is it Genolette? Genolette? Andre Genolette? I don't know if it's, I assume it's French, so it's probably Andre Genolette. But, uh, I don't think I've ever read comics by Andre before, and I love the style for sure. Like, it's squarely in the kind of superhero comic art line work that I like. So, art looks great. Um, and I will say that, uh, I'm skimming issue 12 now. I haven't read it yet, but, uh, but, uh, Kenyonis, uh, did a little character reason of Volcana, it looks like. Yeah. Made her, <laughs> made, her made her a little softig, you know, a little thicky, a little thicky. So, uh, yeah, but no, I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's been a fun series for sure. Like it's, uh, and, and a welcome tonic because, I mean, She-Hulk isn't like "quote unquote" one of my characters where I'm going to rep hard for her being done in any particular way. But I had just no time for the for the raging like bestial Hulk that pervaded Aaron's Avengers run. So um, it's nice to have her back as uh, you know, witty, you know, lawyer writ large. I think that's that's a far more interesting 
Like what made her interesting from the start was that she was like the Hulk only smart, right? Like like that was like the whole conceit, right? Like like that she she was in control of herself, unlike the Hulk who's not. So uh so yeah, I'm 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 with you on that so far. But I'm like I don't think I think I've read up to issue eight maybe? Eight or nine? Yeah, I think I might have missed issue eleven or something because I like I was reading this one and I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. So I, I know it's in a pile around here. I have to dig it up and read it. Um but no, I don't I was say, I don't remember the last time I saw Quinones draw something. So, Batman '89 maybe. Well, I didn't read that, so that would explain it. <laughs> uh, Andreas Gentile also did Rainbow's uh, Runaways after Chris Anka took off. So you. Oh uh, well, I, I I didn't read that in part because it, Chris Anka was on it. So. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, listen. I've met Chris Anka. Like he's a very nice dude. Like I I got nothing against him as a human being, but I I. I, his art style is a little too, like, uh, like, you know, pin up like fashion sketchboard okay. for me. It's it's like it's page. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the the fantasy thing he did with with Matt Wilson on colors, and I can't remember who wrote it. Did he write it? Or like that two issue like gray forest or what the fuck was that thing called? Uh, I I can see what you're saying about some of it. I thought that fantasy one was like him taking a real swing and trying something. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I can't remember what it's called, so it doesn't matter. All good. Chris Sonka, everybody. Chris <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like a cool dude. I mean, yeah, like, like all all love, all love for him as a human. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about local man for, for a little bit? Do we do? No, I'm just kidding. It's always about you. <laughs> of course we can. First of all, let's talk about the fact that uh, you know that it that issue three went back to print, which make I believe makes it three for three that had to go back to print. Am I correct? That's right. Yeah, every issue we're keeping it in print. Issue three, second printing will be on the FOC this next Monday. So now take us behind the curtain on this process, Tony. You, 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 you. Who decides what the first print run is going to be? Uh, well, I mean, the order numbers come in, and then right. Here's... So order numbers are X, and then do you and Tim, as the co-creators and owners, sit down and say, "All right, well, orders are X. Let's do that plus twenty percent." Or does Image say, "Hey, here's orders. We typically will do this plus percent," or, or do they do it without talking to you? Like, like who who makes the call on the first print? Uh, I think they pretty much do it without talking to us. Like they, okay. they have a, a pretty good idea of what the what the reorders usually are. You know, they they do several of these books every week, so they have it sort of figured out. Right. But that being said, you know, this one keeps selling out, and uh, and it's different from when Stray Dogs sold out because, like this this book is uh, uh t- like it's coming out in a different time. Like Stray Dogs came out at a, at a time when we were all, you know, locked up inside and there was like a collector boom going on. And everybody had stimulus money and we weren't nearly in a recession and there wasn't a war in Ukraine, <laughs> like all this stuff. Um, and so it's not selling like Stray Dogs numbers, but it does have interest enough that it keeps selling out and it keeps getting reordered and it keeps, you know, like it's one of those things where it will it it should start ticking up. That's that's sort of what we're betting on right now is that like issue four and the third issue, second print will FOC this week. And that's where we should start to see 
if it's working, you know, because it's sort okay. of like people give it a shot, people give it another shot, you know, like, and then the first issue sells great, and then it'll dip off, and then you need to start building back up. Otherwise, it's sort of just like a, a slow decline into, you know, spending half of your month making <laughs> like a few hundred bucks or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's not where we're at. Like this, like this is definitely a success. These things selling out like this and people like the interest people have in it is great. Um, but you know, it could sell better, but that, and that's sort of why that, why it keeps going back to print is because when it, when they print issues one, two, and three and the, and the percentage that they overprint, we sell better than that. But we don't sell so great that they're just like this. We got to keep going. It's not like eight billion genies or straight out where it's like you know fifth printing, but at this point, and probably wouldn't be because we'll have a trade out at a certain point, you know. Um, but yeah, so like the good news is it's going back to print again and it's going to continue to be in shops and like the reviews keep coming in, and you know like uh, the first issue always has like you know twenty some reviews or something, and then as you get going you know, with like eight people review it or seven people or whatever. Like if you're looking at your comic book roundup, but we're always, you know, real highly rated on there. And then like, you know, the longer it's out, more people, you know, Scott Snyder read it just out of nowhere. and was just like, holy shit, you know, this thing. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, but we're putting together, at last time I was on, we talked about this crossover issue that we're working on called Local Man Gold. That'll be like a, a gold foil one shot that goes in between the first and second arcs. Um, and it's a crossover issue that has like a bunch of image superheroes in it, including like fire breather and striker from cyber force and street angel and boof from boof and the cruise cruise crew <laughs> and homegirl from love everlasting. Um, it's just sort of like, Oh wait, dude, it's going to be lit. <laughs> all these cool like image characters just sort of like get, getting to, to play with them and smash them all together and we're also uh lining up our next arcs worth of covers um and and like getting cool like like we did on the first arc like our a cover is always by me and tim and then we get a b cover that's by like an image comics legend you know legendary to us if, you, if you're somebody yeah, like you have brett booth uh on the right brett booth on three yeah uh we got uh, Joe Benitez coming up, and just today I got an email from Jim Valentino. Which nice. Um, we're talking to Wills. Um, so yeah, we're like it's it's sort of like Image Comics fantasy camp on that front. Like me and Tim are really grinding and trying to make this thing the best possible book that we can make, but also uh, we get to have this fun where it's just like you know emailing our heroes and going like, Hey, so this is what his costume looks like. And, you know, we have these characters, you know, just like super fun stuff like that stuff that, that, uh, when we talk about nostalgia and sort of like the, that, you know, whenever you're 14, the stuff that really registers with you, you know, I, <laughs> I got an email from Jim Valentino today with a drawing in it. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? That's <laughs> awesome. It's so crazy. So I have questions. So take a page out of your book when you come on. I have questions. Yes, okay. Okay. So you and Tim, when you agreed to do this book, um, like before you even like solicited the first issue, you both have been around around the block a few times. Like, did you did you say to yourselves like, okay, this is what we needed to sell to go X length, or 
we'll keep making the book until it hits this level of orders and then we'll wrap it up? Like, did you have specific plans and, and agreement numbers in mind or, or was it more just like, well, let's see how it goes and hopefully it's a smash. You know, like, I'm just curious, like how much, like how much uh, rigor you guys put into when it would be time to call it a day to your points. Cause you don't want to make a couple hundred bucks for two weeks of work. Yeah. Um, we didn't have specific numbers. We both, we basically have, like an idea of what it needs to be and, and you know at a certain point image will be like hey this is just going to cost everybody money you know um and we're definitely not there like the book does good um, mm-hmm. but tim and i both sell tim like with a proven record um with pack slash and revival um sells in trades extraordinarily well and i sell extraordinarily well in trades um, on this one book that I did. So that's the one where we're just like, is it like, am I going to have this again? Like, am I going to continue to to be reliable in the bookstore market? Cause that's where we're really like, we got to see how that does before we really decide what we're going to do. Okay. It could be a thing where, you know, like re- regular issues would just end up being like a loss leader for, for a thing that sells in trades. But like I said, yeah. we're not, we're not there quite yet. Okay, and as I said, questions plural. So, um, you know, we we have pontificated a lot over the years about the variant covers and are they good, are they bad, are they necessary evil, you know, all this sort of thing, and everyone's got opinions. But, like, you now have had uh, multiple books, uh, this and and Stray Dogs, where, you you know, variants have certainly been prominently featured. Um, Explain to, to us, like, the importance to the book's success and the economics, like, okay, so you're getting Valentina to draw one. Like, do does Image say to you, like, oh, we can hook you up with Jim? Or do they just say, like, yeah, reach out to him, good luck? Or, or, and, and then, like, do you reach out to someone like Jim and say, Jim, we love you. We're doing this Image book, blah, blah, blah. Like, would you be interested? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, it's like often when you're trying to buy something, do you say up front, like, this is our budget? Would you be interested? Or do you say, hey, we'd love you to draw for us. And then he comes back and says, cool, this is my rate. And then you're like, all right, bet. Or like, do you kind of like hold your breath and think like, can we afford Jim Valentina? Like, I'm just curious, like, cause obviously you guys, I think a lot of our listeners know, you know, the image model basically is do you guys effectively, you know, you're on the hook for the economics, good or bad. So like with the variants, how does that work? Like the, and you, you can speak to stray dogs as well. Cause you've obviously done a ton for that. Like, like how do you, when you're, when it's your own book and it's creator own, like, how do you decide that calculus? Like, like how many, how many variants are we going to do? Like who are we going to get to do them? Like how much are they going to cost? Should we pay that amount? Like I'm, I'm, I've always been fascinated by that. Like it's much different than Marvel or DC where they just have like a formula and then everybody's rates and it's just kind of like slotted in. Like, for, like I assume this is, ne- this is negotiated, right? Like if you, if you called up, you know, Mateo Scalera tomorrow, and like, you know, Teo, you want to do a variant? I'm sure he'd be like, sure, I get X dollars for a variant. And you'd either be like, oof, yeah, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Or you'd be like, all right, bet. Like, I'm just curious, like, how much of that is factored in, like, or is it more just like hope and pray? And then you're like, I will make it work. Um, it's a little of both. I mean, there's a there's a, a number around which most of these covers cost. Okay. And, and, and it's, you know, it's not too wildly different across the board. And, and in some cases, it's like favors. Like, I think. It's a couple uh, grand, right? Like, give her, like without giving two. Like, it's it's generally a couple grand for a cover, right? Like, that's typical. Uh, it's less than that. I mean, oh, okay. For me, okay. it possibly is. Okay. But, you know, um, 
like for the for the Tanakh one that we got, that he probably would have charged us pretty good for that. But he instead was just like, "Hey, if you want to buy the original art, I'll just uh, you, you can just have it." Nice. Uh, okay. So stuff like that, and and then you know the original art wasn't cheap, cheap, but it you know like a lot of times yeah. it's people we have relationships with. Like sure. Valentino is a is a buddy of Tim's, and he likes stray dogs a lot, and like so we had some email correspondence and stuff. So it's just sort of like reaching out. And then, you know, they'll say a number and usually it's it's within our it's within our means. And if it's not going to be, they'll usually say ahead of time, like it's going to be, you know, I might be too expensive for you. Like the, nobody will just draw like a three thousand dollar cover and be like, that'll be three grand. Uh, so that, that's why you haven't reached out to Rob yet. Well, the, <laughs> the Rob thing, honestly, is like uh, I, like I'm af- afraid to like I, I'm afraid to be like wrapped up in it just because I love his work so much. And, and like, I've seen, uh, like I've seen him out there, you know, you know what I'm saying? You've talked. Yeah. To he's him. out, he's out in them streets. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like the, the relationship I have with Rob Liefeld where I love his work and he doesn't know me is perfect. And I feel like, <laughs> right. Like I don't, fuck that up for myself you know it's like goodwill hunting maybe maybe she's perfect right now you know maybe maybe you don't want to fuck that up dude, what about larson dude uh larson could happen he's a, he's another buddy of tim's he's just uh you know busy may always making two books at the same time or whatever uh yeah. but we we would we would super be into that i don't think we've actually pressed him too hard but mm-hmm. we'll get there so is it fair to say that like with image then most of the variants are because you have relationships because like it's not lost to me right that like like and, and again it makes sense like all the image books that are done by felix's crew have variants done by other felix crew members and it's not just because like felix sets it up it's because they're all friends they travel together go to cons together they collect like they're all buddies so like it makes sense right and they're also mostly most of them are all absolute badass artists too but like you know what i mean like so it's so you're saying it's like in generally speaking with like image creator and books like you're in charge of the ship like so the variants are going to come from people that you probably know or yeah okay yeah, image almost never says like we should do this kind of variant with this person. Um, the like the closest they got to that was when we put out Stray Dogs. They did a blank cover uh, that they didn't ask us about. They were just like, "Oh, we did one of these," and it was like, "Oh, sweet, that's you know free money." And um, how do the um again sorry questions? How do yeah. the um the variants that are tied to specific stores work? Like like. Like a store, like I mean, there seems like that's a lot. Like I don't know if you've done that. I assume you have, but like, like how does that work? Like, does the store reach out to Image and say, like, oh, I'll buy you know two hundred copies of Stray Dogs number one, but like I want a variant cover for it. Like, yeah. is that then on you to subsidize because they're gonna buy or like or do they also have to pay, like pay for it, like pay for the art? Like, how does that work? Um, well, yeah. So there's a number that you have to order to get to do do your own store variant cover. Then you also okay. have to provide artwork um, okay so like the stores so I've, I've heard some publishers will like provide artwork and say like hey if you order you know a thousand of this comic or 500 of this comic you can have this cover and it can be your cover you know but it's just a way to sell that many copies got um, it we, uh to sort of like kickstart or jumpstart i guess kickstart means kickstarters but to sort of jumpstart the variant cover game on local man me and tim did up a couple that we were just like you know, here's some free homage variant covers, you know, t- tell the people if they want to jump in, they can jump in. And we did it like that. But on Stray Dogs, um, the the retailers showed up 
and they either brought somebody with us or they contacted me and Trish and said like, Hey, we want to hire you to do this cover. And we had a number that was like, all right, here's how much we cost. And then you got to order the, the, for image at the time it was 500. I don't know if it still is. I think it still is, but they, they talked about going up to a thousand Marvel. It's like 3000, I think maybe 2000. That's interesting. Yeah. Is how many stores could order 3000 of any comic? Mm-hmm. TCPS well, in mid, mid, Midtown, right? Like, is that, I mean... Yeah, but the the economics of it are, you're not selling it. Oh, because then they sell the Chase variant for, okay, right, 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 yeah. Sell it for 20 bucks a piece, and then you only have to sell, like, a portion of those to make your money Got back. it, got it, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it is a, it's basically like you're taking a shot on something. Like, I know uh, uh, 8 Billion Genies had a bunch of them, um, and Stray yeah. Dogs, obviously. Stray Dogs holds the record for having the most. Twig had a ton of them. Um and that's just shots taking a chance on. Are they going to be able to do enough business to sell enough of those at twenty bucks? That after you sell the first hundred of them or whatever, then you're then you're making twenty bucks a comic for you know the other four hundred that you sell. And do you think it'll ever get old selling a comic you created for like twenty to fifty dollars because it's a variant <laughs> signing your name on it? Like, will that ever get old to go to cons and do that? <laughs> I would get. I mean, the only way I could think it would get old is me trying to keep track of which ones are actually worth something. Uh, so I, I could see, you know, ten years from now, me just going out and selling books that are worth a hundred dollars for ten bucks a piece or something, just because I'm just like I'm not looking this up. So in that way, it could get old, but that's just me knowing what my limitations are as far as paying attention to shit. And last question: Have you stuck to your promise? that my domino was the last fully rendered commission you were ever going to do. Yeah. Oh, look at that. All right. I have a couple pony ones I got to finish up that are, that I took before (laughs) you would be furious about this, that I still haven't finished from like 2019. Um, There was a, there was a post in one of the Facebook collector groups from a guy who was just beside himself because it had been four years since he paid for Stegman to do a commission and it wasn't done. And I was like, oh, I can't chime in here. Like, I completely am with the dude spiritually, but Stegman's my boy, so I can't, like, chime in on this one. I mean, we've talked about it on here before. Like, I love drawing and I love making comics. And I even love, you know, like, doing commissions for people. But the pressure of those, you know, more yeah. detailed commissions is, is like, I, 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 I'm not big enough to charge enough to make it worth it for the fucking anxiety of it. You know, like if those well, the, Felix, the, they go ham because they charge, you know, Felix prices. But the, well, I was going to say the, the big, the big, uh, the big news these days with the commission game is Trad Moore still has most of the list he took years ago undone. And mm-hmm. people are like, well, wait a minute. Like now they, now those commissions cost a fortune even back yeah. then. But like a lot of people probably rightly are like, well, wait a minute, dude is literally selling <laughs> his art for a single issue for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like, we're never getting these commissions. And I'm like, you're probably never getting these commissions. Like, <laughs> like, like, I hope for like the sake of karma that he like takes a month and like I gotta bang these out. Like these people gave me thousands of dollars years ago for this, but if I were handicapping it, you're, you're probably never getting these commissions. I'll tell you what has made me like I have a real when I do conventions now, it's still a the older I get, the more it feels like a schlep going out to these things. But I do um, I have like a sense of peace at the show because I charge a hundred, a hundred and fifty bucks or something for a head sketch or a hundred, a hundred and thirty bucks. 
and then I just do a $40 remark and I can do a nice head sketch and feel nice about it and not be in a fucking frenzy all weekend trying to get everything yeah. done for this, these higher price full body things that I do. And I can make the same money because I raised my head sketch price to a, yeah. to like what it's worth to me, you know? Yep. No, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day, like that's, yeah, I think that's great. I, uh, listen, I have to move us along because I got a movie starting in an hour. Yeah, we're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, I think we're wrapping up soon. Yeah. Let's try. We just got your new travels to do. Yep. And Vince isn't here, so that won't be another half hour, so. (laughs) Facts. Thank you, Tony, of course. But thank you so much, folks, for listening. Um, As always, our sponsor, CheapGraphicNovels.com. Uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash 110ClockComics. Uh, the May Book of the Month form will be up this weekend. I was um, tweaking it this afternoon, so uh, give us your suggestions. Again, remember, if you're on the Patreon site, click the link to the form so you can enter the information. Posting your responses as a reply will not work. Uh, we need to see, we, we, we need to keep the running list going. Uh, so please fill out the Google form when it's posted. Uh, let us know what you'd like the three of us to discuss this month. Um, in your travels, keeping with the theme of tonight, um, with our good friend and patron, Peter Drummond's prompting. Um, he uh, nudged me along to read Star Trek number seven, published by IDW, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Mike Feehan, colors by Lee Lowridge, not Dave Stewart. And the I it it's weird. I. I don't know if this was just a creative decision, but uh, the credits page that gives you a recap of what's going on um, is all lowercase, except for the first letter of each sentence. So everybody's name, like Kalis, Cisco, uh, except for the ship. Everything is in is in lowercase, and it's the weirdest thing. I've I've never seen it, and I've, you know, I, I checked the other IDW books that came out that week, and you know, it, it it seems to just be this one. I don't know why. It just it 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 struck me as odd. Um, but what I liked about issue seven is uh, we get a little bit of a breather following the hectic, chaotic events from the first six issues from the first arc, which also. Um, gave us the uh, the spin-off Star Trek Defiant series um, featuring Worf and uh, and a crew that he has put together. But issue seven of Star Trek is um, is basically uh, it 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 hit me right here as if you can tell where I'm pointing. This this issue takes place on Deep Space Nine. And if you watched the series and you saw the finale, um, you know that Ben Sisko 
being on this space station um, can be a little emotional with all the players involved. Uh, it was nice catching up with uh, with the characters from the show appearing in the comic. It was kind of paced like an episode. There are things that happen on a couple of pages where it was almost like you get to the last panel and, and, and it's like the end of a scene uh, on the episode, the way somebody may look off to the camera because something else is going on. It's just, it, I, 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 I really liked the pacing of it. Everybody sounded great. There's an appearance by a character that I never expected to see, not just in a comic like this, but on the space station. But because the character is Bajoran, it absolutely makes sense. This was this was a lot of fun. Cisco reconnected with his with, with Cassidy Yates. He um, he gets to spend time with his daughter, who uh, who, who was born after uh, he basically in air quotes died. Um, there's a, there's a great little, um, back and forth, not, not so much a back and forth, but Quark interacts with Dr. Crusher. Um, it just, there's a mystery going on. There's still the big over, uh, the, the, the big enemy with, with Kalis and what he's, um, what he's attempting to do. Uh, but there's, there was just, it was, it was really it's a really cool issue uh ending with a um with a pretty heavy cliffhanger um uh it it's uh it's silly that they kind of put themselves in this situation but um i'm curious to see how they get out of it so uh in your travels um the first arc is done so that's probably going to be collected uh, the seventh issue starts off a new storyline, sort of a direction, but still with that with, with that backdrop of uh, of the first arc still happening. Uh, but yeah, in your travels, check out Star Trek from IDW. Nice. Um, in your travels, I. I feel like we've been talking about Kyle Starks a lot lately. Yes. With with good reason. Yep. I mean, it's early in the year, so I don't want to make a Vince-level proclamation, but I think Kyle's in the running for my favorite writer of the year so far, just because he's putting out just a bunch and of stuff. And two books and, this week, right? Yes. Yeah. And to Tony's point, that you can do humor in comics, I mean, Kyle's probably the yeah. at or near the top of the embodiment of that right now. Like Most of the stuff he makes is funny in some way, sometimes overtly, sometimes... More nuanced, but it's generally, you know, a big part of it is humor. And, and for me, it works. I just think he's great. So um, he is doing a DC book. Peacemaker tries hard. <laughs> and it is a black label book, as it should be. Yeah. It is written by Kyle with art by Steve M. F. and Pugh and uh, colors by Jordi Belair. Um, if you saw the solicit and you ordered this, you likely knew what you were getting, which is that this is clearly in direct response to the smash success of the James Gunn helmed uh, television show, which of course is John Cena as Peacemaker. Uh, I, I know that Dap and I are both huge fans of the show. I don't know where Tony stands on it, but it was a great show. I think we're getting the second season very soon. Um, and this is, this is that, this is that Peacemaker. It is, it is John Cena uh, in an R rated universe where he curses and it's hyper violent, hyper sexual. Um, so, you know, some of you with more dainty sensibilities who 
like your superhero comics a certain way, this isn't for you. But if you liked the TV show, I can't see that you wouldn't love this comic. Um, it's hilarious. It's great. It's I, I mean, I I felt like I was I felt like this was another episode of the TV show. It felt very much in the same vein. You could almost hear John Cena's voice as you were reading the word balloons. Um, it's dirty. It's silly. It's puerile. I mean, there's poop jokes. There's dick jokes. I mean, it's you know, it is it is sophomore for sure. And your mileage may vary. But this for some reason, when Kyle does it, it makes me laugh. And uh, I thought this was very funny. He gets called into a mission um, and, uh, you know, handles his business and the plot thickens. There are some um, some some DC villains that are pulled in toward the end that I won't spoil. But but they are definitely, um, uh, I think, fun villains that could fit well into this kind of uh, black label R rated uh, story. So so I think smart choices on Kyle's part. And uh, yeah, it's great. And Pew's art's always a treat. Yep. This is no exception. Um, so huge, huge, huge fan of the first issue. Uh, I, I can't. I, I think it couldn't have, couldn't have, couldn't gotten off to a better start. So. Is uh, Vigilante in it? No, not in the first issue, at least. Okay. I, I don't know if he's in the series or not, but no. Okay. No, I mean Amanda Waller's in it. Um, yeah. There are cameos by some of the other Suicide Squad members. Um, like I said, there's a, a pair of villains that are very much. Uh, I won't name because that's kind of a big reveal. Um, yeah, but uh, he gets a, a pet pug that he names Bruce Wayne. Love it. Um, the yeah, artist, it's, the it's great. Amazing. I love the look of this. Oh yeah, no, it's great. It's 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 great. Uh, I'm so I'm a huge, huge fan. Yeah, huge fan of it. Uh, in your travels, we talked about it a little bit, just in passing. Uh, but if you're if you've given it a a break, or if you just haven't been reading the the new series, check out I Hate Fairyland by our buddy Scotty Young, and with his new collaborator Brett Bean, and longtime collaborator Jean Francois Bello. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think this is some of the best stuff that Scotty's ever written, um, and and Jean Francois, like his mastery of this world, like uh, I'm so glad that. Even if the artist changed it, the color is stuck around because it just looks like how this book is supposed to look. For sure. But I think, like I said, there was an episode that was about gremlins that I thought was one of the best ever. And then this new one uh, that has, like, at the beginning of the issue, it has a little uh, QR code you can scan. Uh, And this band called Jack the Radio Hmm. uh, wrote, like, a theme for I Hate Fairyland. And so you're reading this silent comic with like a with like a soundtrack, which I'm sure has been done before. But uh, but Brett Bean is really just like going nuts here. And like his pacing is great. And his like it really works. It's the sort of thing where, you know, silent comics, you could just like flip right through and be done with it in 10 seconds. But there's so much fun little storytelling stuff in here. And and just like reading it along with the song. It's 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 a gimmick. But it really worked, you know, and I, I was just so impressed with it. Um, so yeah, shout out to good. George Haig, another friend of the show. Yeah, was that right? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's our only. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, like, was that when there was a like a a vinyl that was sent out? And, yeah, and with the saber tooth yeah, swordsman yep. and, uh, and and canker. and canker. Canker. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I actually well, yeah. I actually met George. Um, uh, we actually, we met George many years ago at our. I think it was our first Heroes Conference. Our first, I first met him. yeah, 
Yeah, because he was uh, hanging out with Scotty when Scotty was uh, just discovering the the, uh, the 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 magic of wine. <laughs> he's, yes. he's still quite the expert since. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, George has got an incredible art collection as well. Absolutely incredible. Oh, nice. Well, I hope he got a page or two out of this. I wonder, do you think is this digital or is he drawing this on paper? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, great issue. And it, and it sets up, it's issue five, so it's going to be the first trade. It sets up fun stuff for the for the next arc, which hopefully there's going to be. I assume there will be a next arc. Cause this, this yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, enjoy the movie, my friend. Thank you. Uh, Congrats and, on the uh, continued uh, building momentum of Local Man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we didn't really uh, get into the plot of issue three, but but I, I thought it was strong. I'm starting to care for this dude a little more. If I hope that's what you're intending. That's what I wanted yeah. to ask. Um, do we have we have we met the killer? Oh, Dan, that's a big reveal. It is. It is. No, I know. I mean, it's been three issues, so I don't want you to give anything away, yeah, obviously. I but I mean, have <laughs> we? Is it? Are are there clues there yet to to give the reader an idea as to if they wanted to guess, start making guesses, or, uh, or is there not enough yet? Not gonna say. Okay. Okay. But I, I hope people are making. Guesses. I'm glad you didn't. I'm, I'm glad you didn't say. But okay. we got a female sentry in this issue. Uh, she she reminded me of the century because she's got like the void as her, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really like that character. Um, and what I liked about this is like what I liked about my own issue. Uh, I, liked, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It sold well and it's going back to print. Speaking of Rob. <laughs> I liked that it had two conversations, like two scenes with Jack and an ex and sort of like showing that he's like the same shithead in the past that he is in the future. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, you know, like he, hopefully we, we end up making it like the first few issues. He's just been like a real schlub, uh, but we want him to eventually be like a lovable shithead that, you know, like anybody that's ever felt, uh, sort of like out of place or you're like confused about what they're supposed to be doing. Hopefully people will be able to like, jump on board with them. It's, it's interesting writing a character like that, who like the whole point of him is just like, He's really fucking up, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah. like, how much do you make him fuck up before people just go, like, ah, we're out. You know what? <laughs> fuck this guy. Well, no, I mean, you've got, like I said, you're doing a good job because the first issue, I'm like, oh, okay, so this guy's just a straight-up dick. Like, we're supposed to dislike him intensely. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then I said, like, by the end of this one, I'm like, oh, I'm like, man, maybe, I mean, he is a dick, but, like, maybe maybe he's, like, kind of going to be a lovable dick, like, going to have some redemption maybe. And, like, I'm all right. I'm, you know, so, yeah, I, so so far you've, 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 uh, You've buffed out some of the rough edges, probably by design. So that's cool. I think I think we're gonna get you there by the end of the. I'll, I'll be excited to talk to you after five to to see where you're at. And then nice. And the part of the premise of, of Local Man Gold is sort of like literally putting him face to face with his past self. And mm-hmm. so that yeah, like a, a fun opportunity to do a lot of sort of like what happened to you or like <laughs> why are you like this? So Before hopefully. we let you go to your movie, uh, relative to like gold. Like you said, some of the characters are going to be in there, like including like you know uh, Street Angel, or whatever. So like, do you like do you approach the creator? So you reach out to Rug and be like, we'd like yeah. to use her, and then is like a yes good enough, or like their legal contracts, or like how's that work? Like, in, in this case, yes is good enough. We're not using anybody. That, I mean, you know, Firebreather had a cartoon and stuff, but it's still yeah. just 
by Phil and Andy. So you just, you know, they're in the so same like, way. You have like a, like, I assume you have like an email. Yes. So like, at least like that would be like the proof. Like, is that, cause again, like, you know, <laughs> click the exactly. voting button in this outlook email. The, uh, has, has, has it, did anybody say no? Uh, yeah. One person said no. No shit. Did. Bastard. <laughs> they had their own thing going on that. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't like no, I don't like your book. It was like, <laughs> eh. it, it was Tony like, who? I'm mixed up with my own crossover, and I was like, what? Nobody cared. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> nobody yeah, picked we, this character like 20 years, but yeah, still sure, yeah. Because I got to know that. Yeah, seriously. Um, fair enough. All right. Well, th- thanks as always, brother, for coming on and joining us. Thank you. I mean, always a pleasure. Yeah, I. uh Dap, great job producing tonight. Oh, dude, you you didn't hear it yet, so. But no, and 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 give uh, give, give little man some scritches for us, bro. Yeah, always great to talk to you. Yeah. You talking about the dog, or are you talking about uh, Jason's son who got into college? I'm 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 he, talking about the dog. I, I assume okay. you're talking about the dog. He doesn't really care about teenagers, even mine. <laughs> he knows me so <laughs> well. That's, that's Jesus Christ! Teenager, yeah. yeah, he was cute when he was younger, but now fuck it. Yeah, you got some hair down there. Never mind. Yeah. Dap's like went to sit at Dap's room. Like, hey, we should go visit the woods this summer. And they're both like, ah, they got them, them teenagers now. They're teenagers now. I don't know. Like, they ain't the same. <laughs> well, we do have three really adorable dogs too, though. So it's like that is set. true. I need That's some cute. hobs. Yeah. Maybe when yeah. they go to camp, do they go to camp still? Is that a thing? <laughs> Dude, first, okay. First of all, <laughs> first of all, and I say this, I say this because I'm the only Gentile of my entire firm. Oh god. Ever, like like going to camp for the whole summer is generally gen, generally speaking a Jewish thing. Like mm. um, every Jewish Catskills baby went to camp in the summer like all their childhood. Like uh like like Gentiles for some reason like their parents have like like I don't know, an aversion to that. So no, it's not the camp like they never did camp. <laughs> like they did like day camp like in a really little right. bit. I mean, keep in mind, my children are now 20, 18, and 14. Like, they're like men. They're not like they like. I'm lucky if they acknowledge my existence as they walk past me, so. Yeah. Do you, think, boys, do you think Jason's kids are really going to want to go to sleepaway camp with, with, with the other plebes? <laughs> with other rich kids. <laughs> well, that's not there camp. Are, there, are rich, there are rich kid camps. Though. There are. There are. I know. I know 210 shit. I don't recall the episodes of Now Two and I went to sleepaway camp, but okay. I'm saying that's the kind of drama they would get into. Not, got it. Not got it. Good lord. All right, Fair enough. All right, brother, go, go to the movies. Movie. Love you, man. Dap, great job. I can't wait for you to have this episode up in the next three, in three minutes from now. <laughs> Good job. Good luck with that. I'm gonna go get my beauty rest, and uh, uh, that'll do it. Good night, everybody. Peace and love, everybody. Bye bye. That's it for that one.